are not ready for prime time. Prime time. Prime time. Prime time. That's the name. Prime time. Prime time. What time is it? Showtime prime time. It's XL Prime Time. Featuring Joe C. I reduced my toilet paper down to three squares. Mia O'Brien. Bent over and let it happen. Matt Hayes. Terrible. And Leon Searcy. I did some curls for the girls. How you like me now? How you like 84 me now? degrees. Sunny. Beautiful. Duval County. How you doing? It's a Thursday. It's XL <clears throat> Primetime. Joe C. off on PGA Tour duties. Mio, Brian, Matt Hayes, Leon Searcy, JJ LaSelva with you until 3 o'clock Eastern time with no Joe C. Leon, you know my tonsils are uh, in rough shape. We're going to be getting them out at the end of March. So uh, I turn to you for the ceremonial duties of getting the weekend started. Are you ready? Oh, you want me to? Oh, yes. Want, the Rebel Yell. The Rebel Yell. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I did, couldn't twist the. I don't know. My tongue felt fat in my mouth. Well, there was no chance I was going to do it. I'm getting my tonsils out at the end I of the month. I didn't do Joe Justice. Sounded like an old woman falling down the stairs. Would you like a mulligan? I, I didn't really prepare Yeah, I, I need a mulligan. Okay, that's a mulligan. I need a mulligan. That's a mulligan. Let me clear my throat for a second. There we go. I got to be honest. Old woman falling down the stairs again. Again, another woman. Well, that was old women drowning down. Yeah, that was. (laughs) If you can do the rebel yell, if you want to help us out on this lovely Thursday, you can hit the pop-off line, 207-7071. Josie, again, off on PGA Tour duties with the Arnold Palmer Invitational teeing off down in the Big O. And, of course, the Players' Championship teeing off one week from today, gentlemen, here on the First Coast. Matt, I know – you didn't even realize it snuck up on you a little it, bit there in the schedule. It, it exciting. It's exciting. Always enjoyed the, the players. Best field in golf will yeah. be here. We always got nice seating. Huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We'll nice be seat. back out there, Sawgrass Square, starting Tuesday. And mm-hmm. we'll be providing you live shows from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. right here on the Superstation. The unofficial kickoff. I, I th- the you know what? I think one day, Matt, I think it's a one day we need to dress the part. Like we need to like all go polos and like pastels. Yes, I'm thinking Ooh. at least one day right. we need to dress the part. We, can, we could pick one day. Can I can I admit something that JJ is going to have a field day with, and I can What's only that? say this because Joe Coward is not here. Mm-hmm. So you guys know my grandparents were in town this past weekend. You got to meet them, Matt, mm-hmm. uh, and Joe got to meet them. And so we go to the St. Augustine Outlets last week because mm-hmm. my grandmother loves Chicos. And Chico's I love a, a nice outlet. Chico's right. is a what? And, uh, Department store? I think it's shoes, right? It's a, no, it's an older um, female oh, clothing okay. clothing oh. store. Clothing gotcha, store. Gotcha. Um, plus, I needed to go to Nike Outlet. So we're there. And do you happen to know what store is next to Chico's? I didn't even know that this was a store at the St. Augustine Outlets. PGA. No. Oh. Hmm. Greg Norman. Oh, yeah, of course. The shark. The I shark, did not huh? realize the shark had a store. Guy makes good threads. In the St. Augustine Outlet. Well, my Grammy loved it. She just started pulling things out and said, this will look great on you. This will look great on you. Wow. Mm. And uh, and I said, well, Grammy, I'm, I'm not going to be able to to wear that at the Players' oh, stop. Championship. Oh, She's got to wear 1010XL garb now. Oh, that's true. That's or right. Players' Championship mm. garb. And mm-hmm. she said, well, maybe when you're golfing. And I, I, all I could think in the back of my mind was, Joe would be very upset, but JJ would be reveling in it. And since uh, JJ will be on site later next week, maybe I may have to. So did, did you buy it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, she bought that, it for me. Yep. That's, that's interesting. JJ, would you go polo and pastels? 
Oh, I'm going to be looking fresh as hell. Oh, I like Are you it. serious? I know you got the bus cut but I, now. No, you got I the do not bands. have any live gear. No, I no, will not be wearing. No. I'll be wearing <laughs> 10-10 XL gear. Okay. Have I ever seen, I'm trying to think, JJ in a polo? I just wore one yesterday. Right. There's the solid color polo, though. Like darker. It was a burgundy, right? Yeah. Not the pastel, though. No, I, I, I'll I rock like a pink or a, I'll bring it. Trust you, me. You, do you still dress yourself, I right? have nice clothes. I just don't wear them. You think you hear me? Do you still dress I yourself, I heard right? trying to make a joke about. <laughs> I'm, yes. just, I'm just making sure, bro. I'm just making sure. Hey, should we start asking? Not married yet. Should we start asking the Nooners then for uh for clothing ideas? What are you Nooners going to be wearing at the te- at the Players Championship next week out at TPC What about the hats? Are, yeah. are, is Leon? Because uh, this is my first year actually leaving the studio and going out with you guys. Well, so yeah, like, are I, you I a visor a, guy? Are you a hat guy? Are you a bald I'm, head? I'm a you know, because I bald. Yeah, bucket head. Well, I, have a bu- head. I have a okay. bucket head. I have a bucket head. I have a bucket. I probably wear it out there. Okay. Because me and me and Matt are bald, right. so that, that sun on our head, yeah. <laughs> I didn't own a you, bucket ca- hat huh? until uh, I got to 1010XL. Did you say the sun is not good for you? To him, yeah. Oh, to him. Oh. Yeah. I, uh, by the way, I saw that on next Saturday, it's going to get in the low 50s. At really? night, yeah. But oh. that just means cooler weather during the day as well. Yeah. I'm excited Taylor, for that. Taylor Dahl and I were debating this this morning. I mean, the 88 we had over the weekend. Mm. I mean, 89 tomorrow. 89 tomorrow. Wow. Like, love super, it. like, I love it. But do you really want that out at the players? As no, walking that was around? my point. Exactly. Absolutely. Not. I will take that sunny and 74 every day and twice players week. So we got that to look forward to next week. We got the TCJ, TCJ fun wine gala tonight. So we really are kicking off the weekend one day early. And we really are sending you off into a, a celebratory fashion here on XL Primetime because we have the quarterback. Of your Jacksonville Jaguars joining us at twelve fifteen, don't yeah. we? Don't we, JJ Lasalva? We have we have the quarterback. Yes. Well, I don't know about the quarterback. The, oh yeah. We have the Jaguars. We have the Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback. Oh, newly signed quarterback, right? Oh. Well, with the connection to well, it's it's the Jaguars quarterback that has the connection to Mia. How about that? You guys weren't going to have fun with this? No, we can't. JJ and I were so excited to run with that bit. We do have CJ Beathard calling in and joining us live right here on XL Primetime in about 10 minutes. CJ Beathard from? The great state. Well, he's from the great state of Tennessee, actually. And I think that that actually might be worthwhile uh, and also exploring, too, when when CJ joins us in just a little bit. He's from Franklin, Tennessee, so right outside of Nashville. And his lineage is... Is absolutely nuts, Matt. I mean, yeah. with who his father is and who his grandfather is. Bobby Beathard, yeah. Oh, Bobby Beathard, and then, you know, obviously, so he's got the ties to the NFL through that, and then his father also, accomplished musician, his brother as well, and so we'll be talking with CJ on that and a whole lot more. And? Oh, yeah, he played at the University of Iowa. There you go. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. waiting for it, that's all. Yeah, he has the distinct distinction. For all you nooners out there that, you know, you turn down your dial when Mia O'Brien comes on 1010 and 92.5 FM. C.J. Beathard has had to listen to my questions a lot longer than all y'all because he's been listening to them since 2015. So we're going to say hello to him coming up in just a little bit. But before we do that, let us get into the news of the day. You heard Taylor Dahl mention it in the update. Jalen Carter, after posting bail in Athens, Georgia, is back in Indianapolis this morning for the NFL Scouting Combine. He was not scheduled to work out on the field, Leon, but he is back conducting interviews, and the rest of the defensive linemen will hit the field at 3 o'clock. What, mm. What's your 30,000-foot well, view perception well, of the last 24 hours? Well, listen, he, he's probably had the conversation with his agent as an attorney, and he's got to, pre, he's got to have the presumption of innocence. 
So that's why he's at the combine. He's not going to go and, and tuck his head and hide and, and, and not make any appearance. I'm sure his attorney and his agents have already talked to him, but don't answer any questions about the accident or the tragedy that happened to kill, you know, his teammate and one of his staffers. But he's going to he's going to state the specifics of football, and it's going to be very hard for him because I'm sure every other question he's going to be asked by the by the press is going to be about the accident. And if he's smart, he's going to say. Uh, you know, I'm going to leave that to my attorneys. I just want to, you know, do my interview process. And um, and, and I, that's understandable. But I think that he had to go back to the combine because if he didn't go to the combine, it would be a presumption of guilt. He's going. He's saying he's, it, there's a presumption of innocence that I don't have anything to hide. I'm here. Here's the combine. I'm here for the interviews. And, and that's that. Private jet right on back. To Indianapolis. Yeah. I'm assuming. I don't think he's flying Delta between no, Atlanta no, no, and Indianapolis. No. He probably isn't. No, more than likely he's flying the jet. Yeah, Matt's over there. You're not. You're I, not, you're I, not I, feeling I, it. I, I know. No, it's not that I'm not feeling. It. I, I don't. I don't drive the guy that leaves his, his teammate after after you, after you wreck. They're racing. He wrecks. Mm-hmm. You clearly know what's going on, right? True. <clears throat> my my guess is he. Excuse me. Went in and saw what was going on. <clears throat> excuse me. In the car, right? Yeah. You, you're you're clearly. Let's say you one of them wrecks like they did, okay? Don't you at least go over and say, "All right, what's going on here?" Right? True, I agree. Which he probably do you, did. Do you? Do you? To be uh, fair to him, that the nine one one calls, right? But then they you, had him at the scene, and right? then he wasn't at the scene. And then he wasn't the at the scene by the time there. the cops got there. What two minutes later? So right? he definitely could have checked and looked. And I and thought get your what? point. I'm just saying. And thought what when he checked and looked? That my boy there's, is dying in the car. Or, or my boy is dead in the car. What or, if he was dying in the car? That's, he could have, that's the yes. That's the worst part of it. If, it. if he was in the, if he saw his boy dying in the car and didn't do anything about it, I would like to think that that didn't happen. It could have. I would like to think that didn't happen either. Did, but we don't but, know. But what we do know is he left for two hours. That's what we do yes. know. Yes. That's what we do know. What we don't know is why. Yeah. And that to me is just a little disturbing. That's all. And the second part of this that's a little disturbing. But, and I wrote about this today in Saturday Down South. The second part that's disturbing is but, the University of Georgia. Yeah. You know, what the University of Georgia does is they mourn the two deaths as as they rightly should, they're tragedies. They mourn those two deaths, but nothing is said about the other guy that's involved. So you're basically while you're mourning two deaths, you're protecting another one. You're literally protecting a guy. And you don't have to come out and say, he did this, he's guilty. But clearly, there shouldn't be a situation where you're hiding him or you're protecting him. He's part of this situation. Yeah. And I, I, don't, I don't know if that means you tell Jalen, look, you got to come out and say you were there. There's no way we can go out as a university and mourn these two kids, excuse me, these two young adults, as you know, members of our family. Because that's what they are, university family. Mm-hmm. There's no way we can mourn these two knowing... That you were there and part of it, and it looks like well, we're protecting you. Well, 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 listen, the harsh reality is that they hid this for about two months. So Jalen is probably mourning this for two months without us even knowing it. At some, the harsh truth is, truth is, at some particular point, he's got to get on with his life. I understand that, but my thing is this. What, did he? It, was he trying to like just no one will ever know about it? Hopefully, no one will ever find out. No, he couldn't have thought that. Absolutely not. So then, why wouldn't you just own up to it initially? So on that, you don't want to get a DUI. Correct. On that point, that's kind of my whole point. Here is so who's protecting yeah. him then? Here is the report. Documents reviewed by the Atlanta Journal Constitution showed that Jalen Carter first told police he heard the crash from a nearby apartment complex, and that's when he drove over. 
He then later told an officer he had been driving both behind and beside the SUV driven by staffer Chandler LaCroix. The Journal-Constitution also obtained surveillance video footage from multiple downtown locations in Athens taken the night of the crash. The footage, which also has been reviewed by police, shows three vehicles leaving the area at the same time. Carter's Jeep, LaCroix's Ford, which was University of Georgia property, and a 2019 Dodge Charger driven by current Bulldogs linebacker, Jamon Dumas-Johnson. Wow. Jamon Dumas-Johnson. So who, 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 oh, by the way, five days earlier eluded cops. They got his tag number, but he eluded cops while he was racing another person. Got on the interstate, eluded the cops. Cops didn't follow him. So five days later, he does it again. Again. Well, I mean, so, the, the, so he was racing with Jalen when the, when the well, accident happened? They all happened? three left together. Wow. That's crazy. Right. And they weapon. Listen, and then, when you and drive that J- fast, right. and then that Jaylen, car's now a weapon. Jalen yeah. Carter then denied racing to the officer on the scene who, quote, observed no signs that the 310-pound defensive lineman had been drinking. Okay. Wow. Hours later. Two hours after. Why are you, why are you leaving then? Why do you leave the, why do you leave the sign of the, of the accident? Are you asking me? No, I, I'm, I don't I'm, know. No, I'm, asking, right I'm yeah. asking the ether right now. No, I agree with you. I think he left and tried to sober up his best, did his best job, and came back. I, I think it's weird that he came back. Um, but if I, you come back two hours later, you have a chance of at least showing no sympathy, signs of, empathy, something. And, and no know? signs of being inebriated yeah. two hours later. Yeah, mm-hmm. to show like, hey, even if I do get caught, just to let you know I wasn't drinking. Look, I'm obviously sober. But for them to not take his, you know, blood test after that, after saying that he was driving behind them and next to them, like, that's bad on the cops. Charles McDonald of Yahoo Sports was asking around at the Combine. He has a great column up that you should go check out. He's at Four Verts on Twitter, and he says that it's a cold reality in the NFL those, quote, those two misdemeanors might not hurt Carter much, if at all, if what the initial police report says is the worst of it in talking to different NFL scouts and NFL assistant coaches at the Combine as we speak. I don't believe that. First I, of all, I, I can't imagine that a franchise would take a guy who's with his, with his bud, they get in an accident, he leaves. I cannot imagine a franchise would do that. Well, well first of all, his, his number one tag, number one, that, that's not going to happen. Right. The, the NFL – they they don't understand the specifics of what's going on. It's a misdemeanor. It's a warrant. But there's no way that Jalen Carr is going to be the number one pick overall. That is, I, I that, think he goes like late first, or early second, sometime around there. Well, he's going to tumble. So Charles did speak with a source anonymously who works for one of the teams picking in the top five, and that individual said that Carter's situation is firmly in the wait and see portion of the draft proceedings as teams receive more information. Another source told Yahoo Sports. That, quote, the blunt truth of the matter is Carter may not fall at all if the two misdemeanors are the extent of what happens legally. Quote, he is one of those players that is special enough to survive something like this if this is the worst of the news. Wow, two people dead, survive? Wow. Listen, I'll be How do you survive? How do you survive being part of a race that killed two people? That killed two people. That you yeah. walked away from and came back two and, and, hours later. And what are the forensics? I mean, the forensics of the car that was uh, that crashed. I mean, if there's any paint or dent, for, if they can match anything to Jalen Carter's Jalen's car to the car they crashed in any capacity with forensics like paint, paint or, or, or anything, yeah, yeah, that, he. Okay, I'm I hoping for the best, 
But the worst has already happened with the two kids, the two people right. dying. Yes. We'll circle back to Jalen Carter because obviously your Jacksonville Jaguars are not only active at the NFL Combine looking for pick number 24, but they also are very active so far this offseason. With that, we turn it over to the Fair and Farrah phone line for a very special guest. Now, yeah. another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. As I alluded to earlier in the program, this individual has had to be answering questions from me long before most of y'all knew who I was. It is Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback C.J. Beathard joining us on the Fair and Fair phone line. C.J., how's it going? And welcome back to Jacksonville on the heels of re-signing with the team. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's good to be back. It's good to be on here on, on the show. I, pre- I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. So let's start with, obviously, the big news of your decision to re-sign with the team. Kind of walk us through the conversations as much as you can reveal that you had both with the Jaguars and why you wanted to return to Jacksonville. Yeah, you know, I think uh, when last season ended, uh, we had our you know, end-of-the-season meetings, and there was a lot of, you know, mutual mutual um, interest on in both sides, whether it be me and then me and Doug and me and Trent upon staying. And uh, I think uh, – it was just a matter of trying to get the get the job uh, get the deal done, you know, as quickly as as uh, efficiently as we could. And um, you know, Trevor is a is a great friend of mine. I've I've built a really good relationship with Trevor over the last couple of years, and um, I think it was, that that was something that played a big big role in it. Just being in that room with the with the same guys, you know, I love Mike, our quarterback coach, and, and Press, you know, obviously our OC. I think we're building something real special here, and it was something that that. Uh, I really wanted to be a part of uh, moving forward. CJ, first of all, congratulations on your new contract. You've been Thank here. You. You've been here for a minute. You've seen the ups and downs, highs and lows of the Jaguars organization as a team. What made last year unique? What 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 about last year just made it unique in your mind? I think just the way the guys stuck together. Uh, you know, obviously we started started pretty slow. We were three and seven at one point and four and eight. And, but, you know, within the locker room, within the meetings, and we didn't feel like a four and eight team. Um, when that, when that time came, uh, I remember sitting in team meetings, Doug would always just preach to us, man, guys, until we are physically out of this thing, you know, he would always put up all the scenarios. Hey, we can still win the division. We can still make the playoffs and all this and that. And he was very optimistic about that. And that just fed over into the players, into the locker room, um, you know, guys had good attitudes going out to practice each and every day. And I think early in the year, a lot of our losses were real close losses, real tight finishes. So, I mean, we knew we we were going to get over that hump. It was just a matter of a win. That's phenomenal. So, at 3-7, and seven, he was saying to you guys, you, you can still win the division. Oh, absolutely. It, it, was, uh, it, was very, it was very cool. So, so listen, so was there a, a play, CJ, or a moment, when you guys, when we guys looked at each other, and you were like, "All right, this thing's gonna turn, man," like where you could feel it. I think when we beat Tennessee the first time, I think um, up until that point, Tennessee was kind of in control of everything. And then when we beat the Titans in Tennessee, uh, we had kind. I think that might have been a couple games in a row we had won. We had just beat the maybe the Raiders or something like that, but. Um, we knew, okay, now we basically control our destiny. If we, if we just keep winning, keep doing what we're doing, we got the Titans again at the end of the year. It's going to become basically a playoff game at that last one at the end of the season. Um, that kind of that got us 
just kind of sparked us even more to, to like, hey, this thing's right in front of us. It's right here. We just got to go take it. Which for you as a Tennessee native, CJ, uh, did that one, does, did the, do the wins over the Titans taste extra sweet for you? Oh, definitely, definitely. I've got a, you know, growing up there in Nashville, I've got a lot of friends that are big Titans fans. And I never grew up a Titans fan. I was always really just a fan of where my grandpa was as far as the GM stuff. So I was mostly a Chargers fan growing up. But uh, so the Titans were not, not big. I wasn't a big fan of them. But yeah, his friends always were Titans fans. I just couldn't stand them. Jaguars quarterback C.J. Bether joining us on the fair and fair phone line. Since you brought up your grandpa and then you brought up the Chargers as well, uh, number one, beating the Chargers on a dramatic walk-off field goal in the playoffs, that must have been a lot of fun for you personally. But then number two, kind of walk us through for you. A lot of people may not be familiar, and I alluded to it earlier in the program, with your connection to the National Football League through your grandpa and your whole family, if you could expand on that. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, definitely runs in the blood. My grandpa was in the NFL for a long time, was a GM for, you know, he went to seven Super Bowls, won four Super Bowls as a GM for the, the old um, Washington Redskins with Joe Gibbs. Um, uh, he was basically put together the team with, with Don Shula, the 17 and 0 Dolphins. Um, so he's just got a real long history of, of being a, a great, you know, football mind in the NFL and you know on top of that he's just a better person and a great grandpa to me so now CJ when I played uh I always relied on my backup offensive lineman to see things that I normally wouldn't see on the Mm -hmm. sideline like a blitz or a stun or a twist and all that kind of stuff something I may have struggled with what's your relationship when it comes to the games you and Trevor Lawrence that maybe a stunt or blitz or pick that he had thrown that something that you saw on the sidelines that maybe he didn't see on the field? And do you have that kind of communication with one another during the games? Yeah, it's me. like I said, me and Trev have a uh, – Trev and I have a great relationship, man. Like it's, uh, he, has, he has 100% trust in me. I got 100% trust in him. So he's, I'm not just trying to tell him stuff he wants to hear when he comes off the field. And if it's something that I think that he missed or could work on, I'm, I'm like, hey, dude, remember this. I'm not you know, I'm mean about it or anything, but hey, remember – you know, they they have a tendency to do this, and, you know, if you see this, think of this, and all that type of stuff. Obviously, Doug and Press and Mike all do a great job at that, but I think it's a different perspective when it's coming from, you know, another player, uh, you know, one of your friends and stuff. Uh, but, you know, we just spent a lot of time the, on the building together as far as, you know, even after meetings, late nights, just watching film. And, uh, you know, our, our relationship has just grown uh, over the last couple of years, and I'm just glad to just keep that thing going and keep rolling. So, CJ, I, I've always thought this as a, as a really odd uh, scenario with quarterbacks. You guys grew up, you were always the best player on the team. You were always the best athlete on the team. You get to high school, you're the best player. You get to college, you're the guy on the field. You're the guy everybody's looking for. Suddenly you get to the NFL, and sometimes you're not playing. You're, you're so competitive for so long all of your life, you get to the NFL. How do you quench that competitiveness if you're not on the field as a backup? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely tough, you know, because that, that competitive nature is just in you and it's been in you for your entire life, your entire career. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I've been I've been in the NFL long enough to know, um, you know, a good team when you're on one and, and a good situation when you're in one. Right. And uh, and I, I feel that with this team. I feel that with this coaching staff. And, uh, you know, I've been on teams where, you know, it wasn't a great situation as far as, you know, the, the, not, the, not the staff or anything like that, but just, you know, you're just not on a great team. And 
Um, I feel like this team, the way the Jaguars are, it's just fun to be a part of it. It's fun to win. And when you're on a winning team, winning just kind of takes over and just kind of um, and kind of is a cure-all for, for anything and everything uh, going on. But, you know, at the end of the day, you do, you do want to play and you want to compete and all that. But, um, you know, it's, I'm just happy to be there and happy to be winning and be a part of this team for sure. A couple more for C.J. Beathard, Jaguars quarterback on the Farron Farrah phone line. C.J., uh, you mentioned some of the other coaches that you've worked with. You were drafted by the San Francisco 49ers. You spent a lot of time with Kyle Shanahan as they've built that thing up. What are some similarities you saw from your time in San Francisco to what Doug and Trent have done so far here in Jacksonville that gives you confidence this thing is being built in the right direction? Yeah, I think I think at the end of the day, it, it gets it gets down to – the players and who, who, who you bring in, you know, you guys preach and talk about culture as far, you know, coaches and GMs want to talk about culture and this, and you can try to build a culture of all you want, but at the end of the day, it comes down to what, what guys are you bringing in the building? What players are you bringing in? Cause that establishes the culture. Those are the guys in the locker room, the guys on the field that are, that are, you know, breathing, um, you know, positive energy in the locker room, the guys, you don't want these negative minds in, in the locker room and, and I think at the end of the day I feel that here I felt that in San Francisco the the years that you know we were rolling went to the Super Bowl they were bringing the right guys in and the culture kind of just builds itself up and uh you know the coaches are doing their job coaching their their butts off and stuff but you know when you have the right guys you don't have to worry about what's going on here is it is are the guys are that are they uh upbeat or what's going on it's like yeah man we got the right guys that's not the problem we're gonna we're gonna win so so, CJ, walking off that field in Kansas City, knowing how close you guys were, um, the thought in the locker room, and really the thought now, you guys probably not, are not going to be able to avoid expectations right now, right? I mean, it's there's there's big goals out there now to achieve, right? Oh, for sure, yeah. And, you know, there's all the hype of, of last season and, and how it went, and obviously it was, it was great. It was a great season, great finish to the year, but at the end of the day, that's not, not, not what we set our, set our goals to be. You know, we want to win Super Bowls and, and, and that, and we came up a couple games short. Um, was it a great year, great building block for, for this upcoming season? Yeah, for sure. But, um, you know, I think a lot of guys on the team got a taste of what that's like to make a push late in the season, make a push in the playoffs. And like, man, we really were, were two games away from being in that, in that big game. And, uh, and, and we got a taste of it. And now we're hungry. We want more of it. So. All right, before we let you go, CJ, of course you know I have an Iowa question up my sleeve, but I'm going to hold off on that one because our text line is clamoring, and several have texted in and have a question for you, which is Mm -hmm. Calvin Ridley. Obviously, hopefully he will be reinstated and will join this team in April. Apparently he has suggested he would be interested in number three as his jersey (laughs) number. Would Would you, what would be your asking price to give up number three? Oh man, see that that'd be tough because you know I've been three. I'm going into year seven. I've been three all six leading up to this point. Um, it'd be tough to give up, but um, you know it's always negotiable for the right price. I don't really have a price in mind. But ten grand, start at ten and then work your way up. Yeah, exactly, exactly. No, just start it. Well, you better choose four then, and then see what he does. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. The ultimate irony, of course, is that you wore number sixteen at Iowa. And uh, now you play with the other 16 and Trevor Lawrence. Um, so mm-hmm. well, I won't ask specifically about Iowa football because a lot of our listeners get sick when I bring that up. So instead, I will ask you this, since I saw you were posting about it over the weekend. Is Caitlin Clark the best men's or women's basketball player in the country right now? 
Uh, I think I think so for sure. I think she's a stud. She's a great player. Um, I mean, she's been a great player for you know, her last few years in, in college basketball. And, uh, it's fun to watch. You know, it's fun to watch their game. A couple a couple days ago, she hit that buzzer beater against the number two team in the country. I'm excited to watch them and, and the Iowa, both men's and women's in the uh, NCAA tournament coming up for sure. I appreciate you indulging a little Hawkeye talk with me. CJ, we appreciate mm-hmm. you joining us as well and taking some time. Congrats on the new deal, and we're excited to see you when you guys get back on the field for workouts in April. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Guys. There he goes, CJ Beathard on the right. Farrah and Farrah phone line. We're going to keep it with the Jaguars. We're going to say hello to, uh, hello to, excuse me, the embedded and shredded himself, Hayes Carlion, coming up a little bit later in the 12 o'clock hour don't live. You, literally, don't you just say, if you're CJ, don't you just go, well, you better choose four then. Yeah. Just start just like that. I mean, right, Leon? Like, if someone wants your the number, art right, of the deal. don't you just say, well, you better choose 71 then. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're 74 because mm-hmm. then they come back. Well, then my press, my question is: so we start at 10 grand, and then you move up from there. So it's is it like you know? Like- no, I think you're going low there. See, I don't. I wouldn't even want to start at any number. Let him come to the number. He brings the number. Then you just smile and go, "Come on, yeah, come on." 10 grand, but it's, it's going to start. Well, I listen. I was someone tried to get me for 10 grand for 70, uh, 73. You laughed, right? I said, "I'll be 72." <laughs> Ask for 73000 That's what you needed to do. It's XL Primetime on a Thursday. We'll say hello to Hayes Carlion live from Indianapolis and the NFL Scouting Combine coming up next right here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. This is XL Primetime, brought to you by Florida Home AC. Now that's cool on 1010XL. 36 minutes that past. just happened. Brought to you by Florida Home AC, the official air conditioning partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. We were so excited that we jumped the gun on it. Uh, but it is some breaking news. According to Adam Schefter of ESPN, the Jaguars are expected to place the franchise tag on Evan Ingram. That is valued at $11.345 million. I can tell you from my own reporting earlier in the week, as I've described here on XL Primetime, right here on 1010XL 92.5 FM, that the expectation is the Jaguars and Ingram will get a long-term deal done. It is just a matter of did they need more time? Could they get it done by Tuesday's franchise tag deadline? But instead, it looks like as of now, Evan Ingram will play on the franchise tag. That does not mean he will play on the tag in the 2023 season. It simply could mean the Jaguars need some more time in negotiations. But obviously, Leon, this does put the Jaguars at least in the interim in a little bit of a bind when it comes to Jawan Taylor and his situation. Because now you're at least committing and at least preparing to commit $11.345 million to Evan Ingram. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's what their mouth say. Their mouth says they're going to still work on a long-term deal because they have the luxury of tagging somebody. So they've got time on their side instead of him going into free agency and getting them putting the pressure on them to mac- maximize his worth in free agency and then come back to Jacksonville and say, can you match it? But no, they put the tag on them. So they're saying to him, we got you. We got more time. We control, totally, we control totally, what you make. We control you. Right. Totally gives all the power to the organization. It does. It does. But I will say, once again, we've buried the lead because this now clearly means they're going to sign Jawan Taylor, which is... No, no, you mean they're going to sign him to... They're going to sign him. Yeah, they're going after. They're going to try and sign him. Like he said yesterday, he said they'd like to get yeah, both yeah, yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, Right. You're putting mm-hmm. the tag on, on Ingram. You're not putting it on Taylor. Right. And so, from what I've but been told... You- right. So, from what I've been told, that either means... 
Because Jawan Taylor and Drew Rosenhaus, Leon, have a contract in front of them. They have an offer from the Jaguars. They can kind of go back and forth a little bit. But if they don't get it done by the time the league year opens, then, yeah, Jawan Taylor is probably going to go experiment on the open market. Absolutely. Drew's going to make sure – listen, Drew's going to make sure he maximizes his dollars in free agency. So if, so if a deal's not being done before Jawan goes to free agency, he's going into free agency. Oh, I know he will. But I'm saying it's – I mean, it's clear they want to sign him, though. Huh? Just from what was said yesterday, it's clear they want to sign him. Yeah. But they I, want I, him to be part of the team. Oh, yeah, but but knowing Drew, who was my agent, who Drew is, Drew wants him to go into free agency. He could still go into free agency. He's, yeah, but. And they could still sign him. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll see. All right. This should be fun. We were gonna... oh, no, there's no doubt about it. It's going to be fun. <laughs> it's very rare for a player in the NFL to go into free agency and end up just coming back to the same. Because if you're Ingram. Well. well hang on go, a second. If you're, if you're Ingram, you know, you can still negotiate, obviously, but I'm not negotiating, like, really what I want until I figure out what's going on with Jawan. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, There's true. no reason for him to do that. Yeah, true. Well, here, here's the scenario, JJ, because it happened to me, bro. I, you know, when I hit, when I hit free agency, um, my, 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 my worth skyrocketed, all right? And Pittsburgh, we gave Pittsburgh every opportunity to say, hey, listen, Miami's offering this, uh, Philly's offering this, Jack- right. Jacksonville's offering this. The Steelers had the intel say, okay, are they going to get off their number, which we left at the table, or are they going to come reach for, the, reach for the stars and bring me back home, or they just gonna let me fly away, like, and they let me fly away, and that's why I signed the Jacksonville. I'm like and I'm okay with that. I'm okay. That was my Sometimes point. you got to release that balloon. You know, you can't hold on to it all the time, so you got to let it go. Right. That, I mean, that's kind of like what's Ingram gonna make? Eleven million with the tag? Is that right? Yes. So, no, I know so, what you're saying, JJ. So he's making one million more than last year. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not literally negotiating anything until I figure out what's going on with Juwan. Like True. they can say they're still gonna negotiate, and I'll say, yeah, we'll talk, but I'm not doing anything because yeah. if Juwan well, leaves. Well, There's more money in the kitty. Yeah, absolutely. But but it also says this that in within the negotiations between Evan Ingram and Jawan Taylor, they may be a little closer with Jawan is the reason why he didn't get the tag. And it may be right, a little farther is, apart with Evan and say, Okay, listen, we're we're you know, we're we're far apart with this contract, so we're gonna tag him. We're we're a lot closer to signing Jawan I just him. think it's intriguing that they're trying to sign him. To me, that's intriguing. They're literally trying to commit what, $36 million? Would it probably end up being somewhere around there in your two tackles? Right, almost, if you were, if you were to have tagged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah pretty, but, almost 25% of your cap. Yeah. Here's my thing. Uh, well, look who your franchise is. No, no, I know that. Oh, okay. I, I know that. I'm just saying it's just, you don't see that don't often. Don't minimize the tackles now. No, you just don't Gotta see pay it often. Them. I'm realizing that we completely butchered that interview with C.J. Beathard, which our thanks again to the Jaguars quarterback for joining us earlier in the program, and we forgot to ask about the Be Easy hat that he had on when he signed his extension last yeah. Friday. So I didn't even think about that. But between that, between Christian Kirk's tweet, we knew that Evan Ingram would be remaining in Jacksonville in some form or fashion. Now we know, at least in the interim, it is on the franchise tag. And for more on that, let us bring in the embedded and shredded on his take live from Indianapolis on the franchise tagging of Evan Ingram. It is one Hayes Carlion. Hayes, good morning, good afternoon. How are we doing? I'm doing wonderful. How are you all? Doing fantastic. So give us your initial impressions, uh, the fact that the Jaguars have used the franchise tag on Evan Ingram. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's a move they had to make. And, again, I, I'm sure they'll work out a long-term deal as they get into the you know summer or maybe even before then. But I think it's good to have this in place. And, and now Evan can see what other tight ends sign for and, and really get a good sense of that market uh, and, and go from there. So great that that he's going to be back in the fold uh it was never really in question but it's always good to see that it's 
uh, you know, pretty much a guarantee at this point. And uh, hopefully now they can come to a, a you know, a three-year deal or, or longer as we get closer to the, the start of the regular season. Hey, Carline at the NFL Combine brought to you by Superior Fence and Rail. Carline, so I'm looking at this as, as this way. You got the tag on one guy. They now look like they're seriously going to go after Juwan. Like, this is no longer like, well, what if they sign Juwan? They're trying to sign him, right? That would be your that, – from what you've heard, is that is that the process right now? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think if they can – if you could get two of those three back in, in terms of Ingram, Key, and Taylor, it would be an absolute home run. And now they're they're nearing that. And so, yeah, I mean, I think you'd love to get it done. I, I do wonder if they'll be able to get it done. Uh, because of the uh, money that Juwan Taylor is, you know, wanting to command. But if it can be done, I tell you what, the the more, you know, being here and looking at this roster and looking at where they're at, this is the year. I mean, I think that's what's sort of materializing. Is wow. I, I don't know how often you're going to have a team that's got as many good to potentially great players as this team is going to have. Usually in the NFL, if you've got like nine good players you've got a pretty good roster this team has a chance now granted not all these guys are like superstars but they could become it but I mean you're talking about even without Juwan Taylor you're talking about a team that could have Trevor Lawrence Zay Jones Devon Hamilton Kirk Trayvon Walker Fadakasi Aluakon Fortner Darius Williams Ridley Key Little Tyson Campbell Devin Lloyd Robertson Harris Josh Allen ETN Rayshon Jenkins Evan Ingram Logan Cook, Jamal Agnew, Cam Robinson, Andre Sisco, Brandon Sheriff. Like, you don't have, you don't see this. And it's a product of the fact that they've got Trevor Lawrence, who's playing at a high level on a very uh, economical deal. And this is the, this is the year. And that is what has really been, I think, the biggest takeaway from being here, seeing these moves, seeing this offseason. And they still have a draft class that's going to join this group of players. Now, Hayes, I mean, this contract has a, a potential contract of Jawan Taylor has more to do about Trevor, just like last year when they protected uh, Trevor's backside with Cam Robinson signing uh, his multi-million dollar deal and the potential of bringing Jawan Taylor and signing another multi-million dollar deal. You got the front end, you got the back end of Trevor Lawrence protecting. So the Jaguars are committing $33 million in their tackles. And I think that's fine. I mean, I, I don't think that's a, an issue at all. Um, because, again, be, because Trevor Lawrence is so inexpensive, it allows you to spend elsewhere. Now, in future years, once Trevor signs his second contract, you're probably not going to be able to have that kind of investment. Uh, or you, you could have it there, but you're going to have to you know, cut corners at other positions. They're in a, in a great position right now. A lot of their best players are on rookie contracts. And they've been able to obviously restructure their, their really high-priced guys this year to create cap space. This is the all-in year. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying this is the only window they're going to have to compete for the Lombardi Trophy. They'll obviously have that with Trevor Lawrence if he continues to excel. But in terms of the depth of talent that this roster could have, I think this is going to be, in terms of 1 through 53, this team has probably the best potential to be the, the the deepest of any roster Trevor Lawrence will play on for the rest of his Jaguars career. Hayes Carlion joining us live from the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, courtesy of Superior 
fence and rail. Hayes, I know boots on the ground. You guys were back at the Indianapolis Convention Center this morning meeting with some of the defensive back prospects. Who did you see out there? And, you know, all the more reason that perhaps the Jaguars will use pick number 24 overall on a defensive back, knowing they now have Evan Ingram at the tight end position locked up for at least one more year. Yeah, I thought it was a really impressive group in terms of just hearing them talk about their, you know, their their games and you know who they model themselves after and, and their process and, and things like that. Uh, you know, from a frame standpoint, these guys you know aren't going to really stand out. But I did really like what I heard. Uh, I, I thought that uh, uh, Brian Branch, the Alabama very versatile defensive back, I thought he was outstanding. Uh, Cam Smith from South Carolina could certainly be a possibility at twenty four. Uh, liked what I heard from him. Uh, you know, Matt asked uh, yesterday about Joey Porter Jr. Just obviously, you can tell the polish that that he has, and and it certainly uh, could could easily be the the first corner off the board. Probably isn't going to get to 24, uh, but a very impressive young man. And uh, and Clark Phillips, the Utah corner that had some first round buzz early in the in the college football season, and and now it seems like maybe that's faded a little. Uh, but certainly still a, a rock solid second round pick. Uh, it was uh, it was really enjoyable getting to to hear him kind of talk about his journey and uh, his thoughts on some players and things like that. So uh, it's a great group of defensive backs, and uh, I think if the Jaguars did elect to go there at 24 or in the second or third round, they're going to find just outstanding value. So I, I actually think you've like blown people's mind in this city by. I mean, this, this franchise literally the worst team in the NFL the last two years prior to this year, and now you're saying this is it. This is the window. The window starts now. So, so thinking along those lines, Carline, this pick, the first pick, the 24 pick, it's got to be how do you stop Kelsey, right? That's got to be the pick. I think that goes into it. I also think it's got to be how do you get Mahomes down, and if Chad Henney comes into the game, how do you not let him go 99 <laughs> yards for a touchdown? Um, you know, so I think in, in looking at it, I, I think it's going to be a defensive player. Um, if, if the right guy was to fall offensively at 24, I could certainly understand, you know, them taking a, a receiver or, you know, maybe, uh, Torrance out of Florida. But I think if, if, if the board falls the way I think people believe it will, I think it's going to be a defender. And I think it makes all the sense in the world for it to be. Uh, somebody that can help with the pass rush. So, uh, but look, if it's a if it's a corner, somebody that can cover, I think that makes sense as well. Uh, so, I I think twenty four is going to be a defensive player. I I would put it at seventy five percent. Now, Hayes, with the, with the roster that you just read out, the depth that you said that we have uh, potentially going into this season, the Jaguars shouldn't be that that they shouldn't be that involved in free agency. Do you see them? being strong in free agency or just concentrate more on the draft. If they got all the components together right now in the depth, free agency is is a wasteland, so to say, as far as uh, going after guys and concentrating all your efforts on the draft. Yeah, it's a great point. I, I don't think they'll be very active at all in free agency. Now, if they don't re-sign Jawan Taylor, then they could have a little bit of, of money and maybe you see a couple B-level free agents arrive. Um, but you know, I, I think if they if they do come to an agreement with Juwan Taylor, I mean, you may not see them sign a free agent of consequence, uh, really for the entire off season. I mean, maybe they you may see some you know guys coming in with the hope of making the team, you know, on very very low uh, dollar deals. But yes, if if they re-sign Juwan Taylor, 
the hay will be in the barn, the draft class will be the the missing piece, and they will be pretty much absent from any kind of major free agent spending. A couple more for Hayes Carlion live at the Indianapolis Scouting Combine, brought to you by Superior Fence and Rail. Hayes, give us a, a sense of the rest of the vibe at the Scouting Combine this week, even if, like you mentioned, you know the Jaguars are pretty focused on their picks and re-signing their guys, maybe not being as active in free agency. What is some of the other buzz going on? And obviously, if you've heard anything with regards to Jalen Carter returning to Indianapolis early this morning. Yeah, that's interesting to to see, you know, Jalen Carter coming back here. I think it's the right move. Go ahead and, you know, be able to take advantage of meeting with the teams, uh, you know, sharing your side of things and, uh, you know, anything else that he elects to do, we'll see. But um, but I think it, it, it makes sense for him to be back back here. I don't think that he's going to have any uh, unbelievable fall. I still think he's going to go top five unless there's something else that's yet to surface. Uh, and, you know, again, the quarterbacks speak tomorrow. There's obviously a lot of buzz. And uh, you've, I, the, the Anthony Richardson story just continues to be incredibly fascinating, particularly since he obviously played for the Gators. But, I mean, people are just so split. I mean, just so split on him that, uh, you know, his, his, his supporters think, you know, how do you not see it? How do you not see that this guy is going to be a star at this level? And his detractors are like, how do you think he's going to survive this league at all and, and still be in this league in two or three years? Uh, he's got so far to, to go. So it is, it is fascinating. I certainly can't wait to see what he does Saturday night. We'll be back. We're doing the uh, Frangie show back in Jacksonville tomorrow uh, for Friday to wrap the week. But, uh, but I tell you, Saturday night, I will be locked in to see what Anthony Richardson does because I, you know, everything you hear is that it is going to be one of the best uh, displays of uh, athleticism that we've ever seen at that position. So, Carline, before you go, explain to everybody how it starts with him. When does he start lifting? When does he? When does he run? When does he throw? What are the? What are the? The, the days and sure. the times. So Richardson will meet with the media tomorrow. He's doing medical today. So he'll do uh, in tomorrow. And so tomorrow is media. And then Saturday will be in prime time. The quarterbacks uh, will, will, will do their on-field testing. So, uh, so get ready. If you're looking for something to watch Saturday night, uh, the combine will be waiting for you in prime time. And you can see uh, Richardson and all of his athletic glory. And, of course, the defensive linemen and linebackers hit the field today, the first televised portion of the NFL scouting combine. Anybody you'll have your eye on on the on-field workouts today, Hayes? You know, I, I tell you, Gervon Dexter for Florida, I think really has a chance to, to rise. I, I, I thought he is, he's added a lot of bulk. He was always more of a basketball player. He's incredibly tall. Uh, almost didn't look like he fit at defensive tackle when he first arrived at Florida as a five-star prospect. And I was really impressed with the strides he's made in the weight room, seeing him yesterday, and and we know he can move. We know he's got you know good feet. He's you know he just and we also know that at Florida, the reason that the numbers weren't better is he was the only guy you know opponents really had to worry about along that front. So he always uh, was the focal point, and he still made plays. He still contributed certainly, but I think he was uh, he was always going to be you know dealing with double teams and things like that. If Gervon Dexter tests well. I think he has a chance to start getting some late first-round buzz because it's just so hard to find those guys. I mean, to find interior defensive linemen that can give you a pass rush, 
it's it's a it's a rare quality. So if he can show that kind of agility and speed tomorrow, uh, or I mean, excuse me, today, then I think Irvon Dexter has a chance to climb into the first round. Looks like a couple of those measurements are starting to come out, so it'll be curious to see what Dexter and a couple other guys on in the this year's edge rusher and defensive tackle class post in that regards. Hey, Carlion with you right here on 1010XL 92.5 FM live from Indianapolis for another 24 hours. Godspeed, hopefully no travel issues in the early morning tomorrow, Hayes. I certainly appreciate it. Great joining you guys. Thanks, Hayes. We Thanks appreciate it. And he'll be, of course, on the Frangie Show coming up at 3 o'clock Eastern until 6 o'clock, and then he'll be joining plenty of other shows right here on the Superstation throughout the course of the next two days. Well, you know what? I like how May said the medical so mildly and, uh, and not as severe because I experienced what the medical is really about. You get poked, you get pronged, you're told to touch your toes and cough. <laughs> All right, so they pull and tug on every ligament and joint of your body, your shoulder, your knee, your ankle, and everything. It's painful. Bent over and let it happen. Exactly. Thank you, JJ. Exactly. Exactly. They, they, because you got to remember, these teams are investing millions of dollars into guys, and they want to make sure. You actually, when you leave the medical examination, and I don't know if it's as thorough when I play, you actually are sore. Because your ankle and your knee, your back and all, they're pulling and tugging on everything just to make sure that you don't have any issues. Really? You actually leave it sore. Really? Absolutely. Huh. And and then when you do the interviews, and I don't know if they do it like this anymore, What the, te- the team that had the first two picks in 92 were the Colts. They had the first pick and the second pick. So they bring me to their suite. I'm sitting down in the middle of a chair. I've got coaches, and i got a GM and head coach in front of me. And they're interrogating me. They're actually, I, I'm, I'm asking, having to turn around in my chair to answer questions that they ask me. Personal questions, financial questions, about where you go spend your money, this, this, now, what. Really? Oh, yeah. What was the wackiest question you got at the Combine, Leon? The wackiest question I ever got at the Combine? Uh, like it, weird or like personal? Well, like... well, here's the thing. that We, we, we didn't do personal uh, interviews like they do now. Okay. We, we didn't, we, we didn't have now they're like... At two person. They asked that one guy like ten years ago if his mother was a prostitute. Yeah, who was that? Well, you know, I know. He, well, here's the thing. The Those NFL, are fighting words. Well, listen, the bro. NFL uh, they put um, some statutes in there where if you ask those kind of questions, okay. the team gets fined a hundred. Okay, because that was a yes, very popular was crazy. thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. You never got any of those? No, I never got any of those. We, we, really? We didn't, no, we didn't have questions like that. I mean, we didn't address the media like they do now. All right. Only thing we interview with the coach, GM position coach and stuff like that, and that was it. Well, I mean, to be fair, I'm not sure if they really – anybody really going to ask you that type of question? Who? You sitting in that chair, anybody going to no, ask you that type no, of question? No, no, no. Especially no. a scrawny little GM asking, exactly. asking Leon that yeah, question. Can yeah. you just, I mean, that's probably what happened in that other situation. I would have to make though. a business decision. <laughs> Because if I choke them out, I lose my money. Right. We'll keep it on the NFL combine. We'll circle back to the Jaguars again. If you're just joining us, placing the franchise tag on Evan Ingram. The hope is, of course, that they will get a deal done before July when they are legally allowed to, you know, that by then they need to hit that deadline in order to get a deal done with Ingram. Of course, they do have, as the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures points out, until March 15th to, uh, to well, Texter, actually, let me let me let me clarify that they have until March seventh to lay the tag. Once the tag is placed, you're done. If they get a deal done in the next four days, eight days, right? 
the yes. 15th, right. Then to your point, 3399. It could be used again. They could use the tag on Jawan Taylor. So it'll be curious to see, but obviously we now know how the Jaguars cards have been laid out. Evan Ingram, top of their priority list. It's XL Primetime on a Thursday from 1010XL, 92.5 FM headquarters. This is XL Primetime, brought to you by Florida Home AC. Now that's cool on 1010XL. One o'clock hour is here on a Thursday edition of XL Primetime. No Joe C off on PGA Tour duties. Mia O'Brien, Matt Hayes, Leon Searcy, and JJ LaSelva. Our thanks to CJ Beathard, Jaguars backup quarterback, for joining us in the 12 o'clock hour of XL Primetime. You can check out that interview up on demand going up right now on our YouTube and Facebook pages in case you missed it. And of course, our thanks to the embedded and shredded Hayes Carlion joining us live from the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. We are going to hear from John Shipley of Jaguar Report SI coming up at 120. If you were listening to Jaguars today earlier, you heard them break down his awesome column. He spoke anonymously with several AFC and NFC scouts, assistant coaches, and we'll get to hear a little bit more of the intel from John of what he was hearing, boots on the ground in Indianapolis. We stick a pin in NFL Combine coverage, though, boys, because we got to talk about this NFLPA report card deal. In case you missed it, for the first time, the NFLPA did report cards. They asked each player in the National Football League to conduct and and to submit and fill out a survey, Leon, describing their grades when it comes to their team's sports performance facilities, Mm -hmm. when it comes to their dining, when it comes to how the team takes care of them and their families, when it comes to locker room. The most scathing, at least for your Jacksonville Jaguars report, was, of course, the rats. The fact that in addition to there being droppings and dead rats in the concession stands at TIAA Bank Field. There was apparently a three- to four-week rat infestation in the locker room, including in laundry hampers, where players put their dirty laundry. No. Wow. Three. I mean, That's, after like week one, don't you just tent the place and get rid of the rats? Yeah, you should be What? How is it a three to four week? How about after day one when you find out it's an infesta- infestation? Yeah. Don't you tenant? I mean, that stadium is old. It's very old. If you got rest, that means you got nest plopped all through the stadium. Oh, not just really? one. Many. JJ, JJ's getting the heebie-jeebies just we're looking just, from back we're there. We're not talking one or two. We're talking rats, man. We're talking about a colony. Rats are delicacies in some is that, cultures. Is that what, when huh? they travel together, it's called a colony? I don't is that know. Is that what it is? I made it up. I have no idea. I like that. It's, a colony. It just sounds good coming out of my mouth. Yeah, that's um, if if – I mean, look, we all know they need a new stadium. Okay? Yeah, yeah. We all know it's time for a new stadium. Because that's – Could this again, be propaganda for Well, it'll, that's well it's going yeah. it's, it's to – next year when they move into the new facility, it'll be much better. So, they'll, mm-hmm. be, they'll be at the top of those ratings. So, I, I just think it's – look, it, the thing is, it was, it was rehabbed in 94. I mean, come on. Yeah. It's time for a new stadium. I mean, there's I certainly old restaurants around town older than that stadium that don't have rat problems. It's not like you just have to tear down a stadium. I, no, I know it that. Has rats. I know that. But if you've been in that stadium, if you've gone to a game in that stadium, compared to the other palaces in the NFL, yes. it's just time to upgrade it. That's so it all. should be no- noted that this data was last sourced from March 1st of last year through April 1st of 2022. So you can blame Herb for the rats. But you can also blame Herb for the fact that the strength coaches the and the colony. training staff. Both got A ratings, according to the Jacksonville Jaguars who submitted this survey. 
So the I strength, read the strength staff, the strength staff, and the training staff got a minus and an A. And so that's why, to that's your once point, Chris Doyle was pushed out. Yeah, you know, well, he was in the background doing a Zoom, but no one had to know about that. Um, that's actually a real thing somebody tried to tell me last year. Yeah, you know. Um, here's the rest of the grades, and that's where I, I read these grades, mm-hmm. these marks. And again, this is from March of last year. It's just coming out now after they they were able to collect all the information from all 32 teams, of which the Jaguars ranked 28th overall out of 32. Treatment of families got an F. That was tied for last. We'll get to that one here in a second. Food service nutrition, D. Weight room, D+. Strength coaches, A-. minus. Training room, D-. minus. Training staff, A. Locker room, D-. minus. Team travel, B. So, I looked at all that, and again, this is last March. They had already broken ground on the Miller Electric Sports Performance Center. I looked at all that and said, eh, this is kind of a statement of, you know, this is why they're building that performance center, why we need that performance center. And I will give, dare I say, Urban Miller credit for that. I will never forget as long as I live when he put up that PowerPoint at the State of the Jaguars in 2021 and on that PowerPoint, it showed the Dallas Cowboys and the L.A. Rams, Ram, Ram, Rams, Rams, square footage, how much square footage they had of training facility. And it went all the way off the PowerPoint. And then the rest of the league was somewhere in the middle. And then there was the Jaguars with about this much training room square footage. Mm-hmm. So that's why I look at this, and I think that this is still well, in response. This was filled out in response to the sheer numbers and the lack thereof of the facilities. But I do want to go back to that treatment of families part of it well, here in a second. Here's my thing. Uh, quite frankly, the Jaguars play where they deserve what they got. They got deserve how they played, to be quite honest with you. I'm not I'm not giving you luxury and palace and Taj Mahal accommodations if you give me that product that we No, no, used they to. want nice accommodations first, then they'll play better. No, no, you don't get that. Uh-uh. No. Not in my book. You played not in my book. You, you, we'll, we'll fix the dump up once you start winning games. We just started winning games last year. Let, let's put it this way. I mean, Urban came from college at Ohio State, and they had, on a scale of 1 to 10, their facilities were a 9.5. As compared to this, it's probably a 2. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're coming from college and you've got significantly, by a country mile, better facilities than the NFL does, mm-hmm. that might be a problem. And by the way, Joey from Jack's texts in and says, uh, Yeah, we got a lot of rats. Tenting, tenting doesn't work for rats. Yeah, 3342 says that. You have that to aggressively it, trap and bait. Been, been in the industry for almost 20 years. You can't fumigate for rats. That would involve tenting the entire structure. Should have been aggressively trapped and baited. Go, Jags. Are you going to sign up to help with the baiting process? So you've got to hunt rats. And then we had a guy, the 607, who sent us a picture of his buddy cooking field rats in Southeast Asia. This picture is disturbing, to say the least. <laughs> There's got to be a hundred rats on that And if JJ is saying thing. that, then you know. It is disturbing. <laughs> that, here's another thing, too, with this the picture. If you're, I, can, I mean, I can't, I, can't, for, I can't understand cooking the rats. That's number one. But well, fine. Look, look at where those people are living. They I know. I nothing. understand that. So if you're cooking the rats and this is what you're eating, why do you leave the tails on? That Or the heads. Why did you just chop off the tail? That's the gross part. Like, I, well, yeah. Well, 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 here's the thing. Listen, you're talking about rats or whatever. There's no more disgusting animal that we eat every day than a pig. That no, how dare you? Eats his own slop. No. Stop it. You know it. Eats Some of them are raised. You know, he, he, 
Some of them care. are raised I don't, you, you eat it. You ethically get, and you probably won't have organically. Pork chop <laughs> now, I eat it too, but I'm just saying. Some of them are slithering so around saying, in the New York City subway system. I'm saying the pigs, they waddle and in their own feces. So they you're saying don't knock it until you try it. So no, we should try I'm some not, rats. I'm We're going to get some. Fr- I'm so not saying that. There we go. Uh, five, two, one, oh, one. If, you, if your disease. buddy can send us some fried rat. I ain't no, you, you're not going to eat it? Hell no. It's in the same category as a pig, uh, though. Slither, slithering around in its own feces. Yeah. <laughs> Point being, if you're one week, if you're one day into it, if you walk into the locker room, wherever it was, and you see, as you say, a colony of rats. <laughs> There was also, at that point, don't you say, "All right, time to get rid of it." But they, that's also yeah. the, the problem is, is they had rat dead rats and they had rat droppings in the concession stands. There were already rats in the building. It was only a matter of time before they got to the locker room. Isn't that a movie, Rats in the Building, or like a series on Netflix, Rats in the Building? Oh, it's probably on Netflix. Everything. Uh, I don't know if you Mia didn't mentioned see ben? this, but Did you, you didn't see Ben. Oh, that what was that? It was about a rat. Yeah, a rat that died. Ratatouille. You haven't seen Ratatouille? No. Um. I don't know if Mia mentioned this, but they were also complaining that their girlfriends slash wives yes. had to use the public bathroom floor to nurse their children because they don't have like a family room, even for the players' wives. That's why they got the F in families. They wow. they, they put the F in families. F is for families. F is for families who do who stuff do together. Stuff together. Wait, so the so for- the. The couches and stuff are in the locker room. You is for you and me. There's not a separate living area where you guys can go hang out and shoot pool. And I don't know. I'm Again, not, almost, I'm not locker room almost 20, every major years. college football program has that. Yeah, it's a separate sure. area where you can go hang no, out. No, I can tell you this, Matt. I'm in the locker room during wow. the season almost every day. And, yeah, there, and even then, it's like two couches. And Doug Peterson brought the ping pong table back this year. Before that, there were just two couches, and that was it. That sounds about right. We had about the same thing. Two couches. They have an up. It's probably the they same couch. Bridge. I'm it's glad the it's the same, same thing for the last it's 25 the years. That's same good. Couch I laid on <laughs> 20 some years ago. That wouldn't be a surprise at all. So the other crazy part is, is like, of course, you know, the family part of it. There's other teams clearly in the National Football League that do offer those facilities. Um, but the crazy part is, is the Jaguars are not the worst in most of these categories. As much as they got D's almost across the board, outside of a couple A's, a couple B, and then the one F, because. The Arizona Cardinals, Leon, mm. literally making their players pay for meals. Pay for meals. So let me let me elaborate a little mm-hmm. bit on this. Here is from the NFLPA's report card. And again, this is from last March. At the Arizona Cardinals facility, if players would like dinner, it will be boxed up for them. And this is during the season. But players reported that the team then charged them via payroll deduction for the box dinner. This is apparently the only club in the NFL that does this. Players then reported that if you work out at the facility after the season is over, the team charges you for every meal eaten at the facility. Again, apparently the only team in the league that does this. Well, I'm listening. At least they got meals. We didn't get meals when we played there. We got a granola bar and a Gatorade. There was no box lunches. We just went Got us some Popeyes after we finished running the lift. What does that even mean? What do you mean there's no meals There's there? no meals, no food. When you got to come to an off-season to work out and train, you get a specific time slot that you got to train. All right? Six to eight, nine to eight, whatever. When you came in there and you worked out and you trained, there was no meal for you to eat that was prepared for you to have once you finished training. So you're no telling me bre- guys in college had it better than guys in the NFL? Absolutely. There was no breakfast that was prepared. You better have eaten before you got in there. And then the lunch – 
you would get lunch after you finished working out. They but didn't have but all of y'all have contracts where you have specific weight limits to hit, yeah. specific nutrition plans yeah. you go by, yeah. right? We had no nutritionist. We had no nutritionist. You think we had a nutritionist when we were in Jacksonville? They might have one now. But we have no nutritionist. But I'm sure the Cardinals have a nutritionist, right? You would think. You they're would think, they're yeah. one of 32 NFL franchises. Right. So you're telling these guys, look, you know, you need to be this, you need to be that. Here's what you need to eat. And then you're charging them for what yeah. you're telling them they need to eat? Yeah, yeah, you are. Wow. And then finding them when they weigh in and they don't beat their weight. Or they're under. I, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, they don't find you. Well, they don't reward you when you're under, but they find you when you're over. But they probably find you when you're under too. Like if you're a guy that needs well, to be depend- 20. Well, if they want you to gain weight and you yeah. don't, then they may find yeah. you. Yeah. If you have thoughts on the NFLPA report card information, let's call it that. A lot of you on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures do. Um, and specifically, you have thoughts on the rats. Um, we the, have tons of exterminators. We out have there, tons of nooners that are dig rat it. exterminators. We're going to read a couple of those off. We're going to read them off for John Shipley of SI Jaguar Report, who's going to join us coming up in the next segment because I'm sure he has some thoughts on the rats. He also has some thoughts on Evan Ingram as he just tweeted out the new deadline to watch with regards to the Jaguars' tight end July 17th. Teams and franchise players can sign multi-year extensions until July 17th. The typical deadline, July 15th, is on the weekend. So it's pushed up to July 17th. We'll ask John about that and a whole lot more coming up next on a Thursday edition of XL Primetime. Now, another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line. Brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. A pleasure, as always, to be joined by my contemporary on the Jacksonville Jaguars beat, one John Shipley of SI Jaguar Report, who joins us now on the Fair and Fair phone line, fresh off travels to Indianapolis. John, have you slept over the past 72 hours? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much, you know, I, I got back to Jacksonville, you know, not, not long ago, pretty much since then. That's pretty much been about it. <laughs> you know, just uh, I recovering from, uh, you know, the event that is the combine, the trip, you know, I got some friends who are still there who, you know, somewhere there for the weekend. And I'm, I'm just, you know, saluting all those guys because I don't know how they do. How late were you out eating shrimp? Or are you not allowed to uh, publicly disclose your steak and shrimp endeavors while in Indianapolis? <laughs> I'm actually allergic uh, to shellfish. So I, I, I did go out to uh, Tony's uh, Steakhouse on Tuesday night, and they're apparently famous for, like, their seafood and have, like, amazing, like, seafood appetizers. But it was really all shellfish. But I will say their steak was amazing. All right, John. Well, let's get into the nitty-gritty and the news of the day. Evan Ingram officially going to play, as of this writing, on the franchise tag for Jacksonville in 2023. Why or why not do you see that happening this fall? Yeah, no, I, I think that the tag is, in a lot of ways, you know, really a vehicle for teams now. You don't see a lot of players truly play under the tag anymore like you used to. A lot of times guys are getting those extensions before the deadline. We saw that happen with Cam Robinson last year. I think that's what you're going to see this year. You know, it just gives the Jaguars more room. You know, they can go into free agency having an idea of how they want to kind of craft this team while also, you know, knowing they can lower Ingram's cap hit later in the year. So I know a lot of people are probably surprised to see, you know, that because it seemed like a lot of people's, you know, thoughts and expectations were that he would potentially get a deal before free agency. But I mean, just the nature of contract negotiations is that, you know, this can potentially drag on for a few weeks, but, you know, it's always been the expectation, one way or another, tag, contract, whatever, he's going to be a Jaguar in 2023. Now, John, I, traditionally, I've been on a lot of teams that uh, really didn't have to go after a lot of free agents because our roster was stacked and loaded, and 
We just waited on the draft to kind of develop the guys that we drafted. So do you look at this Jaguar team that way? Do you look at this roster and say, mm, they don't need much in free agency? A couple of guys in, in the draft and then keep it moving come 2023. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think that they're in the spot where the main things that they need to do, you know, exactly what you said, draft and develop their own guys, but also helping the guys that you know, they take in the last few drafts take the next step. I think, you know, probably the biggest reason they improved so much last year was you saw a bunch of second-year guys take giant steps. You know, Trevor, uh, ETN obviously had a big year. Andre Cisco had a solid year. Tyson Campbell, Walker Little. And now you're moving into the future. You hope guys like Devin Lloyd, Trayvon Walker, obviously, Luke Fortner, Chad Mumba can have that kind of impact and then so on and so forth. I definitely think that, you know, they're in the stage now where they're a draft and develop team. I, I always thought, you know, you go back and look at what Trent Baalke did in San Francisco, that spending was kind of against his DNA as a general manager. And I thought that they kind of did what they had to do last year. And now they're in the stage that they want to be, which is, you know, draft and develop their own people. Hey, John, you have a piece on SI.com Jaguars about uh, you talking to scouts and coaches about specific subjects within the Jags. Um, one of the things you asked scouts was what the league thinks about Jawan Taylor. What was your takeaway from that? Yeah, no, it really seems like people think that Jawan Taylor is going to be a free agent. I, I think that the Jaguars obviously would love to have Jawan Taylor back. You know, they said as much uh, this week. Shen Balky even said, you know, that uh, Jawan Taylor, you know, wants to be a Jaguar and wants to stay in Jacksonville. But the money, of course, for both sides has to make sense. With, you know, he was always unlikely to get franchise tag because of that high number that comes with the tag. He'd be, you know, the league's highest paid right tackle if that happened. So the only real way for him to stay is with an extension. And, I mean, if you're him, you know, that that just the idea of looking at the free agency, you know, market has to be at least potentially, you know, I- intriguing. So I think the Jaguars would like to keep him, but there's, all, there's always going to be the lure of, you know, those other teams. And I think that, you know, his camp would probably at least you don't want to hear some of those offers. And definitely go check out that column that John wrote from Indianapolis. You can also follow John on Twitter at underscore John underscore Shipley on the Twitter machine. John Shipley of SI Jaguar Report joining us on the Fair and Farrah phone line. Ship, uh, of all the scouts, all the assistant coaches you talk to, of all those great nuggets that you have that folks have to go and read because it's fantastic, which one surprised you the most? The one that surprised me the most, I honestly, you know, I, I know Mia that used to it out there, but, you know, uh, linking Antonio Johnson to the Jaguars at number 24, you know, he's a guy who you he, he, he talk to people in Annapolis, and it's not that people's opinions on his skill set are split. It's just opinions on how much you value it. You know, he's really one of the easier evaluations at this DB class. Cause, I mean, he hits like a truck, you know, everything in front of him, you know, and everything basically 15 to 10 yards playing downhill. He can cover, he can play the run. He can cover in the slot, but he's a bit stiff in terms of change of direction. You know, you're not sure how he can handle those twitchier guys. And, you know, it seemed like a lot of people thought that he seemed like a Jaguars guy at 24. And if you look at, you know, some of the traits the Jaguars like at defensive back, you know, obviously physicality, length, ability to blitz, especially from the slot, we know that's something Mike Caldwell likes to do. Then I think he's somebody who does make sense to a degree. But I was surprised how many people mentioned his name when it came to the Jags. Now, John, I don't have a problem with the Jaguars committing so much money to, to your left and your right tackle because essentially you're protecting the franchise, which is Trevor Lawrence. Only thing I want to know is that do you unload Cam Robertson and, and, and keep Walker Little at left tackle since he had a, such a phenomenal uh, play during the stretch of, of their, during their run? No, no, that's a great question. Honestly, 
I don't think the Jaguars really even themselves have the answer right now for that because I think as they get into their offseason program, they're going to have to see Cam recover from his injury and then really go from there. I think just with the way that the Cam's contract is set up, the way the roster is constructed, I think a healthy Cam would get first crack at left tackle. But that's a situation where you know, having walk a little on the roster gives you that kind of flexibility, especially in a case where, you know, you can, if you can potentially keep Jawan Taylor, then you can have walk a little, you know, potentially fill in a left tackle if needed. Uh, Doug Peterson even mentioned him potentially being an option at, at guard as they get further along into their offseason program. So, John, you also spoke with some scouts about Trevor Lawrence. Um, I see one of them here said you wouldn't be surprised if he added an MVP season in the next five years. Is that kind of the vibe right around there, not only with Trevor, but with the team that they are now? They've turned, and now this is kind of a window for them right now. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. So this was my first combine, but I went to the Senior Bowl in 2020, and that was the year. You know, they picked C.J. Henderson, you know, Doug Marone, Dave Caldwell's last season, and the the vibe about the Jaguars and really how other people in the NFL talk about them and see them then compared to now, you know, two or three years down the road, it's, it's it's a different world completely. I mean, they 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 were you know objectively. I mean, the butt of jokes a couple of years ago, just you know that really how they had struck the roster. You know, really their entire process of things to now. You know, they were able to garner a, a lot of respect this week. I think you know obviously Doug uh, and the fact that he's a Super Bowl winning head coach. He's somebody who's already well respected. You know, goes a long way toward that. But also Trevor. I mean, Trevor I think is the Jaguars. You know superstar at this point he's you know has potential to be you know the biggest star the franchise has ever had just in terms of national relevancy so i i definitely think that the jaguars you know are getting a little more respect around the league now than they have been all right one more for you john because then i do want to read for you some of our um, listeners submissions with regards to the rats that reportedly were running wild in the jaguars locker room because we're going to send leon off for the day and i want his take and i want yours as well as someone who spends some time in that locker room but real quick before we get to that, you spoke with Trent Baalke with regards to the salary cap. Obviously, allotting for Calvin Ridley's cap hit once he is reinstated. Other negotiations, other restructuring that may take place. What was your biggest takeaway? As I see our good friend Pine of Jack was just tweeting out some numbers and sense about how the Jaguars will not only remain under the cap, but also still be able to pay their draft class. Yeah, no, absolutely. Obviously, the Jaguars still you know, have more room uh, to go when it comes to the salary cap. I know, you know, four restructures and extension, two signings, they've obviously have already done a lot of work towards getting uh, in the cap compliance. That's where they're at right now. I think they have, you know, a little over $13 million in cap space. That's like 12th in the league right now after being in the bottom third, you know, say a week ago. But you added Ingram's potential franchise tag. And just a hypothetical, if he does play in the franchise tag, that's over $11 million. Calvin really is over 11 million. Then you have, you know, potentially nine draft picks. You know, maybe fewer, but even though you do have a later first round pick, you know, it's still a decent amount of chunk of change that you have to vote to the draft class. They still have more work to do. So whether that's restructuring more veterans, like potentially a Rayshon Jenkins, or whether that you know is moving on from some veterans like uh, Shaquille Griffin, something really the one thing they haven't done to this point in the offseason. And yeah, you know, I did ask Trent Balky about Shaquille uh, Griffin, and all he really said was that he was still you know in the rehab phase, and there wasn't really anything new to report on that front. So until anything really happens there, it is what it is. But the Jags definitely have more room to do to really grow when it comes to the cap.
Interesting stuff, Bree Shaq Griffin. All right, go out, everybody, and read John Shipley at Jaguar Report. And, of course, follow him on Twitter at underscore John underscore Shipley. Before we let you go, are you ready for some of these, John? Leon, are you ready for some of these? Bring it. Okay, so with regards to the Rats at TIA Bank Field, 9247 says, call in St. Patrick to get rid of the Rats like he did in Ireland. My mistake, that was the Pied Piper of Hamelin that drove out the Rats with a flute. Mm. so we've got that Mm -hmm. um we also have rats are opportunistic pets this is courtesy of 0616 the stadium has very little areas where it would be rodent proof open corridors all over the place top to bottom hallways with wide open doors everywhere there's no way to rodent proof a facility like that they have everything they need at the stadium nesting materials food sources water as well as many areas to harbor i believe that yeah I don't do rats. I don't do rats either, but I, I'm sure they got a field day over there at night. And I will leave you. I will leave you both with this one, since uh, Leon referenced the thought of uh, of you know pigs are hanging around in their own poop. What's the difference between rats? Well, they hang around and they eat their own poop. Yeah, exactly. Um, nine 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 four four two. Eating a hot dog is no worse than eating a rat. Not true. Depends where you get the hot dog. Yeah. And one Some more. of those gas station hot dogs do look pretty rough. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, yeah, if, like, you, if you knew what they collectively put in and grind up to make a hot dog, you would Why do you just stop right there? Why are you even doing you, that? Man, I don't want to hear this stuff. I'm just trying to help Guarantee you. Dave Campo is at All-American Hot Dog right now. Right, why would you do that? <laughs> because I saw it on air, bro. I'm trying to save your life. All right. Well, we appreciate you, John, as always, for joining us right here on 1010XL. And great work at the NFL Scouting Combine. Look forward to reading your story, not just, of course, about the one that we already alluded to with all the great notes and great insight from some of the scouts and the different coaches at the Combine, but also the one with regards to the salary cap from your interview with Trent Baalke. Thanks so much for joining us. No, thank you, guys. Hope you guys have a good one. Thank you. you guys have me on. Thanks, Ship, for joining Appreciate us it. on the Fair and Fair. Um, uh, you know what? You, you're going to eat those All-American hot dogs and say that? Huh? Oh, I'm going to still eat a hot dog. I'm just telling you what goes into making one. <laughs> well, yeah, I did have one texter who texted in and said, I flipped over to the NFL Network. I couldn't handle this conversation. Golly, man. <laughs> Listen, I mean, it's not for everybody. We're built different, just like bulky built. All right, Leon, speaking yes. of built. I'm about to go home and watch the combat, bro. Yeah. Are you really? Yeah. Come on, now. Turn the AC down? <laughs> Boil me a hot dog. Yep. Hey, that's a mic drop if I ever heard one. We'll catch you tomorrow, Leon, which tomorrow we are going to be live from the St. Augustine outlets. We're getting you ready for bike week. Yes, you heard that right. We're going to be, and I'm going to make sure I'm going to get all the the right information. Wear your leather, Leon. Yeah, that's that's the real question. Uh, Is is Leon going to wear your leather, bro? I don't have any leather. Are you serious? Well, I look like a village. Wear your cut, man. You got to wear your cut, your sons of anarchy cut. Huh? You got to wear your Sons of Anarchy cut. Oh, yeah, let it cut. Okay. So we're going to be live at the Adamac Harley-Davidson. Leon is going to be there in his leather and uh, the the, fr- the frills, the frays that, that go off the leather. Right, Leon? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wait no, on. no, that's completely different. No. We're Wait talking on. about, like, the leather cut, the vest that, you know. Oh, the, you want the, the vest. The gangs wear. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking You're talking about something jacket. completely different. No, yeah. I'm talking yeah, about like the a biker jacket. gang. Yeah, biker that's gang. what I'm We're talking about biker. No, biker gangs do not have, like. No, yeah. They don't have, like, little. 
No. Yeah, they sort of do. They do. Like, no. off the end of the yeah. no. Well, we're some gonna we're gonna do some discovery down at the Adam Mac Harley Davidson. I'm hoping they Greece. sell some, <laughs> and, uh, and and we will report back uh, right here live on 1010XL. It's off I-95 and 16 across from the outlets. That's exit 318. Bike Week kicks off tomorrow. Goes through March the 12th. Live music every weekend. Food, drinks, vendors. The Harley-Davidson demo truck will be on location Friday through Sunday where you will be able to test ride the latest models. I'm sure Matt Hayes is going to be pumped to be hopping in that truck tomorrow. Hey, I know when I drive a Harley, man. I'm going to make sure we get a video and we get it posted on the 1010XL social channels. we got a whole lot more to do. we got Coach Dave Campo joining us in the 2 o'clock hour. We'll circle back to Evan Ingram. We'll talk about everything John Shipley just said with regards to the Jaguars cap structure as it currently stands not releasing Shaq Griffin say what do that and a whole lot more coming up next this is XL primetime protected by preferred roofing on 1010XL it's XL primetime 145 on a Thursday thanks to John Shipley joining us talking all things Jags and I think yeah, uh, the one thing I think John mentioned and, and we talked about it like three weeks ago um, and we were kind of just kind of like half and half about it. We weren't really, really too serious that the window might be right here, right now for these guys. And now John starts talking about everybody in the, in the combine now is saying, hey, the window is here. It's, it's now. opened. It's now. And Carline was, um, you saw me over there counting. Carline's ca- counting all these guys that he thinks could be good to great players. And he's into the 20s already. Think about this now. Think about the metamorphosis of this roster and this franchise in one season, they were back-to-back worst team in the league. Now, you could also say this. The second year of the worst team in the league, they had guys that were also just so incredibly discombobulated and dysfunctional on the coaching staff that probably kept them from winning at least three or four more games. At right. least, right? Well, and that's what John's reporting, which, again, go check out John's column on uh, Jaguar Report, Sports Illustrated, where the scouts and the assistant coaches he talked to said, and this was with no you know, with all due respect to Dabo Sweeney and Clemson, they're obviously competing against not the National Football League down at little old Clemson, but the offense that Trevor came out of at Clemson, his experience versus coming into the NFL, and then you throw Urban into that and that monkey wrench, that was as difficult an uphill climb as you will find in the National Football League. And when he is supposed to be your best player and he is so hampered, by everything else around him in his own situation, then, yeah, you weren't going to see dividends paid off in that first year. But that's why another scout that John spoke with who said, name me somebody else who had a better draft in 2021 and a better draft in 2022 than Trent Falky. You really can't. That's pretty telling. And it's now coming to fruition. Of course, you know, hindsight is 2020. We look back at the 2019 Jaguars draft, which included the likes of Gardner Minshew, Josh Allen, Jawan Taylor. And in hindsight, yeah, maybe you get those three. And in reality, you won't only will have one of them around for the super long term, making it past getting into a second contract, I should say. But I remember a year or two after that, we were like, wow, that was a really good class. So I think the book isn't written officially on that 2021 class. But obviously, we're seeing right now that they've got multiple starters from that class. And they've got multiple guys who could make a second contract here in Jacksonville, and they're going to have to pay them. Oh, that the twenty one class is really good. That's I mean, I potentially I mean, you're talking about Cisco, you're talking about Little, you're talking about 
ETN, I mean, obviously Lawrence. These are like legit Campbell, legit, not only legit starters, legit guys who, if they hit the free agent market, are going to get a lot of money. Yep. So, yeah, that, that class, that's the foundation of what they're doing right now. And so then I, you throw in Calvin Ridley. Right. And if, if he hits, now you got to pay him wide receiver one money. And so you already are going to be on the books for him in the fifth-year option once he is reinstated, which at this point in time, all signs point to he will be reinstated. Folks. So real quick I, yeah. now, explain to everyone listening now, the, the window opened up for him yes. to be able to be, to be, to be, I guess, for lack of a better way of saying it, look, you're good now, you can come back, okay? Reinstated. Yes, correct. So, how long are we taking right now? Why, why is it taking the NFL? If the NFL knows what's going on, he's been out for 16 months? Yep. 17 months, 16 months. Uh, so it would have been, I think it would have been the suspension came down October 2021, I think it was, right? Or no, that was when he first uh, had, um, whatchamacallit, uh, mental health um, issues, and right. that's why he stepped away from football. And then that is when he was betting, and I believe he was found guilty of it later in the 2021 season. Okay, so he's he's been out a a significant amount of time. Yep, at least Because a year. of this. Correct. Haven't they done all their due diligence and figured out, all right, here's the decision we're going to make. What What's the holdup right now? So the only other player that Roger Goodell has suspended and then reinstated for gambling was Josh Shaw. Obviously, that's not a marquee name, but Josh Shaw was the only other player that went through this process. He was... He applied for reinstatement in February, right after the Super Bowl, just like Calvin Ridley did on the first day he was eligible to do so. And then Josh Shaw was not reinstated until March 20th of 2020. Obviously, there was a global pandemic in March of 2020. Right. Uh, I, I hope there's not going to be one this March of 2023. So Ridley was actually wasn't suspended until March 7th of last year. Okay, so there you go. Um, I, I, I mean, don't... still, you're talking about... I know. I'm just saying it hasn't been exactly a year yet. How how, how are they not? How do they not know right now? Okay, we've had this for a year. We've gone. We we've done our due diligence. We've investigated it. Make the decision already. What's I don't understand what the holdup is. Right. I I don't know either, especially for a marquee player again. And there's no global pandemic going on outside of the NFL scouting combine. Listen, I'm sure Roger Goodell's a busy man, but there's got to be somebody whose sole job is to review cases like this. And right now, he's the only player, at least notable player, that's currently suspended by the league for gambling. So, but it, back to your point, they're gonna have to pay him if he plays well. They're gonna right, have to pay. They're him. gonna have to pay him, and, and they're gonna have to pay. And and this will also that will also be then the third. The finished third season of all those guys in 2021. Correct. So, so then, then you're gonna you're gonna pay a couple of them, I right. would imagine. So then Walker Little's gonna one be being el- your quarterback. Right. Well, thankfully with your quarterback, and I heard from somebody the other day who was saying like, listen, like it's not just smoke. Trevor has said he wants to do the Brady model. He wants to. Yes, he wants to be paid, and I agree with what Leon said that the powers that be are not gonna let Trevor Lawrence make pennies just because he wants all his friends to get paid because right. he's a quarterback and he needs to be paid what the market value says he should be paid. Um, but he has said that, you know, maybe he'll take a little less to ensure everybody else around him gets a little more. With both him and Travis Etienne, you have the beauty of the fifth-year option because they were both first-round first picks. You can tag them twice. I don't envision a scenario where either of those things happen for Lawrence, but I do for Travis Etienne. Oh, and so yeah. then that, in turn, frees you up a little bit, but the fifth-year option is still going to be pricey. It's still going to so be at least gonna, $10 million gonna, gonna, for the, by that point. For the other guys, you got Campbell, you got Little, you got Cisco. Yes. Those are three guys that you're going to have to pay. Or you're going to let them go after the fourth season. That's, I mean, at the very least, you're going to have to start negotiating with those three guys, especially if they continue to take the steps they've taken 
in the first couple of years, correct? Right, and that's also where your owner, having the deep pockets that he does, is critical because you are going to have to pay signing bonuses. You are going to have to pay upfront money and push money out into the future to ensure that everybody gets paid because, you know, let's say you want to sign Tyson Campbell to an extension next offseason. Well, if you get a three-year deal done with Evan Ingram, you're still going to be paying him too. And if it's going to be backloaded of a deal so that it ensures his cap number this year isn't that big, you're going to have to pay the piper down the road. Right. And so now you're paying him a lot of money. So how do you balance that? And that's where, you know, these GMs in the front offices really don't get enough credit because balancing all that money and hoping that guys hit and, you know, heaven forbid, like let's say the progression continues for Luke Fortner. So now that's your franchise center. Trayvon Walker, Devin Lloyd, Chad Muma. Then you got to pay those guys. If Trayvon wants edge rusher money, if Devin Lloyd moves to a Sam linebacker spot, I know we joke that a Sam linebacker only plays 35% of the snaps, but if he starts racking up some stats, they're going to want to get paid. And how do you balance that? Because then you're really up up and against, you got to pay Trevor. And you got to get him, I mean, JJ, you threw the number out there, I think, the other day. Like, I mean... By that point in time, to pay Trevor, what what sort of number are we looking at here? How much he would fifty five, sixty a year, God, at least. I mean, at least. And if Seriously. it's a ten year deal, because the cap's going up too, right? You know, right. And that's that's a big thing too, and that's important that we bring that up too as we go through the dollars and cents of this with the new TV deal. The cap is expected to hit, you know, to have about fifty million dollars more added to it next season, and that's why. And this is something that our good friend Mark Long of the AP pointed out to me, and I really, really agree with. There's going to be some guys in free agency, especially knowing that this free agency class isn't that deep. Right. There's going to be some guys that take those one-year prove-it deals because if they prove it with that team and then that team suddenly has more cash flow, then they're in line for an even bigger deal in 2024. And I think you are going to see that, whether it's from the team that they sign the one-year prove-it deal with or another team. So, I, I don't – now, my guess would even, – even if over the next – Week, two weeks, they sign Evan Ingram. It's not going to be a good thing to put Juwan on that. On that <clears throat> put the cap on Juwan. That's just no, not, the tag. Yeah, the tag. you know, they're not going to. It's just, yeah. That's just not a good. Because at the end of the day, he's not going to be happy. And you're going to get a guy who, after, if he plays well again, there's no way you got a chance to sign him after that. I think. No chance. Yeah, I firmly think, at least in my conversations with people in the building, that they have sent their letter to Jawan of this is how much we're going to offer, and apparently he is entertaining it. Maybe they go back and forth over the next few, you know, week and a half, few days, and ultimately, personally speaking, I I think looking at the rest of the available right and left tackles in the National Football League this offseason, Jawan Taylor at age 25, who's never missed a game, is going to command a lot of money. And I think, back to our point about balancing the books, financially speaking, here's what you're kind of looking at, is if you let Jawan Taylor walk, you don't pay him a crazy boatload of money. You draft, most likely day two, a tackle who becomes your swing tackle. After, yeah. If you part ways with Cam Robinson next offseason because his cap number is so astronomical, then that kid becomes your tackle, and now you once again have a tackle playing on a rookie deal. Walker Little will be playing on the final year of his rookie deal, and then you look to elevate him, whether you franchise tag him or obviously you give him a long-term deal, then he's playing on that. See, but do you – I mean, and this is my whole problem with this, is do you want Walker Little then playing right tackle for a year, and then, then you saying, all right, now you're going yep. back to left. I agree. I, I To me, I just think he played really well at the left side. Stick him in the left side. Just stick him there. So what are you and doing if, with if, Cam? And let's just let's just say Juwan, they signed Juwan. 
let them battle it out. And if and if Walker Little wins it, he wins it. He wins the job. And then if he doesn't? Well, I mean, he's your backup. I wouldn't put him at guard. But then you're no. paying both Cam and Juwan. Yeah. And then, so be it? No, no. My my whole idea, my thing is trade uh, trade Cam. Trade Cam. Tra- I, don't know, I don't know how much you're going to get from him because he's got the, the injury history and he's got a big number. But if you can get rid of him, get rid of him. And then just slide Walker right in there. And then you second day, third day, get a tackle as your swing guy. Before we say hello to Coach Campo, who I, I think I hear him in the building. I don't know. Maybe the hot dog got him after all. Um, <laughs> I do want to note this with regards to what Trevor Lawrence could be paid down the line. Here's a look at Patrick Mahomes's cap number and salary for this upcoming season. He carries a cap number of $49.2 million. His base salary is five point five. The signing bonus was $2 million. The roster bonus is 34.4. So that's, again, where you can manipulate some things. The cap hit is obviously massive, and that's you know where things struggle a little bit. But that base salary of only 5.5, and that signing, the roster bonus of 34.4 says to me that when they structured this deal, the Chiefs said, look, we're, we're going to give you a lot of money now. Right. We're going to give you the money out of our pocket. Right. Your salary money is going to come further down the line in the contract. And that's what you're seeing with his deal, with Josh Allen's deal, and I think you would see with Trevor's deal as well. It's XL Primetime on a Thursday. We'll say hello to Coach Campo. We'll circle back to the news that Evan Ingram has been franchise tagged by the Jacksonville Jaguars, what that means for the hometown Big Cats. We'll also circle back to the NFL Scouting Combine, the news that Jalen Carter back in Indianapolis. It is XL Primetime right here on 1010XL 92.5 FM. That is just happened brought to you by florida home ac the official air conditioning partner of the jacksonville jaguars a quick college football note uh a strange hiring but a cool hiring hall of fame defensive end jason taylor is now the defensive end coach at miami Mm. our resident canes fan how do you feel about that one jj i love that i mean i can't hurt recruiting that's for damn somebody wants to get back in the game yeah, as a coach. Yeah, I mean, it's like just it, – I mean, and I don't blame any of these guys, man. They they get away from the game, and it's like I – you know, I say this all the time. These guys compete for 15, 20 years of their life, going all the way back to, like, you know, junior high and high school, and all of a sudden it just stops for them. They're, they can't compete at anything else. So now he's going to try this. I think it's awesome. I mean, he's clearly a guy that if, if you if – you, if Jason Taylor walks into your living room and you're a defensive end or an edge guy, don't you at least go, whoa, all right, Jason Taylor. I gotta. It's like I, I I gotta at least hear him out at that point in time. And I, I don't, at the very least, the guy, the kid's parents know who Jason Taylor was. He has a gold jack. Recruiting, yeah. I don't wear it to every recruiting visit, sir. Please. Yeah. Recruiting, I don't think has been the issue though at Miami. Like I know it's going to take a little bit longer to build than a lot of people anticipated, but like this obviously strengthens what was a strength though. Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I don't think recruiting has been an issue. It's well, not, it's not like they needed to make a splash like this. I think it helps. Well, number one, you can never have enough dudes. That's number one. Right. But number two, more to your point, more to your point is, so I was watching the ACC Network the other day, and I see Tyler Van Dyke on it. And he's talking about how five and seven's not good enough, and, you know, it's just not something we like here at the Canes. And I'm getting, looking at it going, well, you're the reason they were five and seven. Because at the end of the day, it's about the quarterback. Everything revolves around the quarterback. And if your quarterback doesn't play well, if he throws interceptions – if he doesn't take care of the ball, if he doesn't throw the ball accurately, you're going to lose a lot of games, and the quarterback's going to take all the blame, and the quarterback's not going to get what he thought he would get. Tyler Van Dyke was a guy who thought he'd 
come in, in the, come in last year, have a great year, go to the NFL. He was a predicted first-round pick. Now he's back in Miami trying to reset everything. Now, there is one. I was just going to say, repeat, is, repeat that first part. Repeat that first one, part that you said. There is one exception to the rule, and it's a guy who's going to be running around the combine tomorrow, beginning tomorrow, and that's, of course, Anthony Richardson, who has a career completion percentage of 55%. A career touchdown-to-interception ratio of 1.6 to 1. So, essentially, you know, every one and a half times he throws the ball, he throws... Interception. Correct. Or a touchdown. Um, Talk about high-risk, high, those, risk, high I, reward. I should say every one and a half times he throws an either touchdown or, you know, you know what it is. So yeah, it's not it's not interception ratio. Right, touchdown-to-interception ratio. Correct. So, for every touchdown he for throws. For every touchdown he throws, right, one, one pick. So, he he's at a point right now where... While Van Dyke is a good athlete, J.J., and is a guy who I think would probably do pretty well at the Combine, he's not this guy. This guy's going to blow him away. This guy's going to blow him away at the 40. This guy's going to blow him away at the box. This guy's going to blow him away at the They're at saying the this guy's going to rewrite every jump. record. Yeah, right. So, And then he's going to throw. And, again, I, he's not going to throw to his guys, but, but if, if you're Anthony Richardson to quote-unquote his guys, his guys last year? More guys. I mean, J.J., am I not terrible? Right, so I mean, I, it doesn't matter that he's throwing to. to he's not. Thank you, JJ. He's not throwing to. It doesn't matter that he's not throwing to his guys. He's just gonna get out there and wing it. And if he crushes it, let's just say he crushes the physical stuff Friday and Saturday, and early Saturday, okay. Yeah. And then he starts to throw on Saturday. He's gonna be so pumped about crushing those things. He's gonna be throwing the ball. I mean, he, my my guess is he's just gonna kill it. And then you're gonna start seeing people say, "Well, you know." A guy like that, he's so rare. He only comes along once in a lifetime. That's the kind of guy, you know, I, I mean, you're going to be kicking yourself for not picking him. if You let him go, and he's going to end up being, if he does well on the combine, he'll end up being like in a five to seven, top five or seven pick. So as luck would have it, Lance Zierlein of NFL.com went through and ran the odds of where Anthony Richardson, if selected in the first round, where he might be a good fit and where he could end up. The front runner. Any guesses, J.J. or Matt? Top 10. Top 10, yes, but which team? Seattle. Colts. I've seen a couple of trades up for Seattle recently. Carolina at pick number nine. He gives that a 25% chance. He says that Richardson could be sitting on the board for Carolina at number nine. They just hit the reset button with the hiring of Frank Reich, who, quote, could have the patience and demeanor to fully nurture the enormous potential of the Florida prospect. I don't think he's going to – if he crushes the combine, he's not lasting until nine. It's just, just not going to happen. There will be somebody who's going to say, wait a second, man, did you see that guy? Did you see and, – and look, all these guys, all of these guys, and every guy I've ever talked to, they all say, your tape is your resume. But it's not that way with quarterbacks. With quarterbacks, it's different because if the tape, Quarterbacks are like NBA prospects. Yeah, if, it's all about what's yeah, the ceiling, what's what the could development. Be. If, if your tape is your resume with him – He's like a, you know, maybe even like a, a undrafted free agent. So I, I don't, I don't think that's it at all. I think it's, look, he he's gonna do what he does, and then immediately, this is what you're gonna hear, okay? And I know Gator fans are not gonna like to hear this. If he crushes the combine, the first thing you're gonna hear is he's gonna be a top five pick. The second thing you're gonna hear is Billy Napier held him back. That's what you're gonna hear. You're gonna hear what We're was going on. We're already hearing that. You're gonna hear what was going on in Gainesville. You know. How could you how could you have this type of a talent and not A win more games and B have him throw more efficiently 
and play better in the past game. We've already That's, seen that on the text line because they have so many guys at the combine. This no, year. no, I mean, I mean, you you will see like over the next weeks till until the until the draft. All the talking heads will say it, okay, on ESPN. You know that's going to happen. But more and more, you're going to see NFL execs. You know, an NFL exec told Pete Prisco. An NFL exec told Adam Schefter. What was going on there at Florida? How could he not have, you know, how could he have played this poorly with this kind of talent? That's what's going to happen. Some I'm of- telling you guys, in three weeks, four weeks, we're going to look at each other and say, man, just like we thought. Well, just like we saw with Trayvon Walker a year ago, too, albeit at a different position. Because if your tape is your resume, yeah, Trayvon Walker had a, you know, good resume. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. It was all everything that went down at the at the Underwear Olympics and the potential that really was what changed the game and made him the Jaguars' number one overall pick. And to be fair, if you're going to be honest, if we're going to be intellectually honest about this, um, Aiden Hutchinson was the Aiden Hutchinson was the better pick. Yep. And there you could go down the road. Many of those guys in the first round. And you could go pick. down the road and say down the line, Trayvon Walker may have a better NFL career could. than Aiden Hutchinson. But you if could. we are basing it off resume. Aiden Hutchinson was the more polished player, quote-unquote, coming out of college. You could also go down the road and say in four or five years, Aiden Hutchinson's going to be a beast. He's still not filled out. He's got a great frame. He's going to get bigger. Speaking of Aiden Hutchinson and the Detroit Lions, they are Lanzier line of NFL.com's second potential logical fit at a 15% chance for Anthony Richardson to land there. And that's in large part because the Lions pick at both number six and number 18. That's two top 20 picks, thank you to the L.A. Rams. And moreover, the guy they dealt, Matthew Stafford, and in return got Jared Goff, is he really their long-term solution? Wouldn't that allow a bridge for Anthony Richardson to sit and learn for a few years? So that's his second potential spot for Anthony Richardson, followed by the Las Vegas Raiders at number seven, of course, they really don't have a quarterback right now, so that would be frightening because you'd be throwing Anthony Richardson essentially right into the mix. And then the Washington Commanders at number 16 with Eric Bieniemy now as their offensive coordinator. See, I, I think he's getting toned in the mix. I, we keep hearing, well, he'll get someplace and he'll sit there and someone will work with him and maybe he'll be ready to – oh, man, they're going to play him now. You're not going to pick a guy in the top five and not play him now unless you're the crazy 49ers who play everybody but the guy that you picked in the third round that you took – you know, you spent four or five picks on. They're going to play him that he will play next year. If he gets picked in the top five, he will play at some point next year. The long shots for Lance Zierlein, I personally take issue with, and maybe you Gator fans can take this little nugget and uh, run with it. He has both the Colts and the Vikings with a 5% chance as the long shots to land Anthony Richardson, currently both slated to pick uh, the Colts at four and the Vikings at 23. I can assure you personally the Vikings sent more scouts to Anthony Richardson and Florida Gator games this fall than any other NFL team. So we start with that. They did their homework on the guy. And number two, the Indianapolis Colts have also visited with Anthony Richardson quite a bit, both during the fall and of late as well. So, therefore, I think those are two very, very high contenders in the AR sweepstakes. And I could see, you know, let's say he doesn't live up to expectations this weekend at the NFL Combine. I can see the Vikings at 23. Maybe they trade up to six to 15 to get ahead of the Lions right. to get AR. At least it's an indoor facility. He wouldn't have to play in the snow. If he doesn't, if he doesn't crush it this week, and again, our boy Danny Thompson, the, the QB whisperer, who was uh, was Anthony's QB coach, basically the best way to say it over six points, thinks he's going to absolutely crush it. If he doesn't, he still has his pro day to change heads and, and change minds and all that. I would say this, if he does crush it this week, 
I'm not even doing pro day. Forget it. I'm standing on combine. You know, you guys want to come talk to me. I'll talk to you. We'll do interviews, whatever you want. I'm not doing anything. I'm not throwing. I'm not running. I'm not lifting. Nothing. I'm done. This is it. I'm standing on that. Quarterbacks hit the field on Saturday at Lucas Oil Stadium. Defensive linemen and linebackers coming up at 3 o'clock today. I want to run through the list of some D linemen and some linebackers that Matt, of course, very familiar with from the college ranks and see who he'll have his eye on on the NFL Network coming up a little bit later this afternoon. It's XL Primetime. Oh, a little quick pitch right there. Mm. <laughs> well, quick off. pitch for the clock. How he, about that? He got the 16 <laughs> seconds there, or he's got the – 12 seconds there, I think. And now Tukapita's down two strikes within eight seconds. <laughs> wow. This is XL Primetime, brought to you by Florida Home AC. Now that's cool on 1010XL. Everything you just heard, that entire sequence, that was one at bat in the New York Yankees spring training game today. And it was a strikeout in under 20 seconds, J.J. How did Wandy that happen? Peralta, this is the new thing. The batter just stays in the box. The pitcher just pitches, and it's like 1914 baseball. I love thought? it. What a thought. It's a novelty. By the way, we uh, misspoke, Matt Hayes. Coach Campo will not be joining us today, speaking of the New York Yankees, because he is down in Tampa with his son, Tommy. They are checking out the Penguins and the Lightning tonight and then the Yankees game with the Rays tomorrow, spring training. George M. Steinbrenner Field. Nobody's got it better than Coach Campo, although he worked, let me tell you, he worked double, triple duty on Tuesday. He joined us on XL Primetime, Mm -hmm. Campo and Joe podcast. Go get that wherever your podcasts are. And then he filled in for the entire two hours of helmets and heels. All right, before we get back to the draft, I want to – I'm trying to understand this baseball thing now. Oh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. so, JJ and I are well-versed. Yes, we can help. So you. the players, the batter can literally stand in the box. How long does the pitcher then have to go before he has to pitch it? 15 seconds, right, or something yep. like mm-hmm. that? 15 seconds. And how long can the batter stand Same. out of the box before he has to get in? Same. 15. Same. That's the problem. That's why in the Braves game over the weekend, you had bases loaded, excuse me, bases loaded two outs, and the batter thought that he was walked. And no, in fact, he took too long to get back into the batter's <laughs> box, and they called strike three. Into the game, which the I, game. Th- uh, that's not happening in the regular season. I just can't see them ending a game or like in a big clutch situation like that doing that. But you got to start it in spring training and and get the people used to it. What's the, di- the what's the reason for this? Because games game are up. like five hours long. They're that's already why. Matt in one week. Isn't of spring- that like the joy of baseball though? You would think, but in what one, in one week? Nothing joyful about a three and a half hour. <laughs> in baseball one week game. of spring training games, it. Matt, or rather, rather even one weekend, they already saw the average game time go down a half hour from where it was last year. Thirty minutes. Thirty minutes. I thought the whole idea was to go to the game, bring your scorebook with you, keep score, have a hot dog, have a beer. Why can't you do that? In a relaxing environment is what I'm saying. You can't relax in two and a half hours, man? Like, uh, Taylor had this argument on Tuesday. I don't get it. Like, uh, you want to go to a game for a long time? All right, you can go to the game two hours before it starts you know what and start too? drinking. Like, who cares? Honestly, here's what and it is. And guess what? 99% of the people are watching it on TV. Look, here's what it is, honestly. When you're sitting next to your buddy and you're having a dog and a beer you're like swapping stories you're gonna miss stuff because you're swapping stories you're gonna miss hits you're gonna miss strikeouts yeah 
I don't want that. I just want to be able to just relax and enjoy four hours of baseball. Stop, dude. Stop. This whole, like, fake argument that Matt's just arguing to argue of a guy who's it's never not. watched baseball in 20 years. All Stop. I know is I was taught, JJ. No one is like, well, you know what we love about the game right the cool now? The of the, the grass. The, the fact that it's the so long. The of the grass. No one says that. Did you know that quote, Matt? Cool of the grass. I love the fact that you can the get lit a little bit, and then the by the eighth inning, you're okay. Everything's good. <laughs> you get sober up. Yeah, you have yeah, so much time. That's a real question, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Right. They, I was just saying, are they going to have Drive to bump home. up? Yeah, I was just saying, are they, they going to have to bump up when <laughs> like they when sixth inning yeah, now? Yeah, exactly. Or I guess it would make sense to push it back. Or just make it the whole game. Right, yeah. push it back, make it the whole game. I don't see game. how Anheuser-Busch and Miller are happy with this. I just don't see it. I don't think they will be. Uh, speaking of people that will be happy, though, there's going to be some happy teams at the top of that leaderboard if – if, and by leaderboard, I mean the NFL draft ranking or um, sl- process, if a team trades up for a quarterback, that would mean that a team towards the top that does not need a quarterback would get a guy by the name of Will Anderson, who you, Matt, have long said if he was in the draft process a year ago, he was only a sophomore then, he would have been the consensus number one o- overall pick. And if not for the quarterback position, he could be the number one overall pick this upcoming season or excuse me, this upcoming April, and he will be hitting the field today for on-field workouts with the rest of the defensive linemen and linebackers. He, I mean, he's a specimen, man. He's an athletic freak. There's no doubt about it. He, I, I think clearly what's going to happen, the, the big deal with him is going to be the interviews because there are definitely scouts that are going to want to know what happened from your production. There was a fall-off in production. There's no doubt there was. Now, it's a fall-off from an unbelievable elite level as a sophomore to a level that anyone else would love to have, but it's still a drop-off. So there will be questions about that. Sure, he, he's a, an immense talent and a guy that a guy that not only can get the quarterback, but a guy that's, that's athletic enough and fast enough to drop in coverage. He's one of those true odd-front outside rushbackers. So let's look at a couple of the other names that'll be on the field, and if they're not on the field, they at least are in, Indi- in Indianapolis. Say that five <laughs> times fast for the NFL scouting combine for interviews and meetings with the media and teams. Clemson's Miles Murphy and then Brian Brisey. Brise. Brise. I'm gonna keep mispronouncing it. I'm That's gonna right. get it. I'm gonna get it at one point. No problem. I've watched the the um SE featured they did on him and the unfortunate passing of his sister about 18 times. You would think I would know it by now. Um but Brise, Miles Murphy, two guys out of Clemson. We've already mocked the Clemson offensive scheme once, but why do you say, hey, they were prepared at Clemson? They have the numbers and the tape to back up the fact that they could be top ten first round picks. Well, I mean, I, other than other than Brzee's knee injury, he was phenomenal. I mean, a guy that not only played well on the interior as as a run stuffer and a pass rusher, he's a guy that was always there. He played hard, never took plays off. I mean, he's a guy that truly he was the number one overall recruit. He was coming out. He truly lived up to his number one overall recruit, um, his ranking, and and he and he did it from day one at Clemson. It wasn't like it took him time. You know, he, he played in just a little bit as a freshman. He did it from day one there. So, to me, I think as long as he checks out medically, yeah, I'm, I'm all on that guy. I love him. I think he's going to be a really good player in the league. If he falls to 24, Miles Murphy, 24 for the Jaguars, are they, are they a thought for you? Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't – I mean, I don't know how they uh, – I think they're both going to be gone by 24. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, when you start – when you get down to all the stuff happens over the next couple of months – and all the paralysis by analysis, and all the NFL teams, they all eventually go back to the tape. All of them do. Especially when you start talking about the first-round picks when you're getting to those 20, what Dave Campos says, like from 20 to 30, 32. They're all 
right there near the same pick, and it's going to be about your evaluation. At that point, it's, all right, let's just look at his tape. And when you look at both those guys' tapes, yeah, they, they stand out. Same for Nolan Smith. Do you think I Nolan, love Nolan Smith. I do, too. I mean, we've talked to him. Great guy from up in Savannah. Uh, amazing interview. Clearly was the heart and soul of that Georgia defense. Coming off of an injury, yes. Does he make it to 24? Because we know people love to joke that Trent Baalke loves hurt guys. I don't know. He's a, I mean, he's an elite athlete. He's a dude that can run. It was a pec injury. So, I mean, I, I don't I don't know how he makes it to 24 because if he was near, he'd be a, on my guess, he'd probably be like a 13, 14, 15 around there. He could make it to 24. But then I don't know. I, I mean, you don't need him. You've got Devin Lloyd. So I, I don't, he's, that's his position. He's not going to be, I cannot see him being an edge rusher in the NFL. He's just not built that way. He's I Devin think, Lloyd. I, yeah, I think he's more Devin Lloyd. Yeah. All right. So I think we're both kind of in consensus. And I don't want to speak out of turn, but corner at 24. Is that kind of where we're at? You know, I would, you know, we we were go so the last the last segment we were going over the, the actual guys that they had picked, and I'm I'm starting to think about safety, and I'm starting to think, all right, well, Jenkins might have another year here, okay? Mm-hmm. So if you let's say you draft Antonio Johnson to be your go get Kelsey guy, yeah, he's your nickel. You know, Jenkins leaves, he moves right back to safety. Correct. So so maybe that's who you take. That's why I 24. reported that a month ago. Yeah, yeah maybe that's, that's why I see it. that. That's why I've seen that all along. But now there's some people suggesting that Antonio Johnson may fall to the second round, and is it a reach for him at 24? If he's your guy that's going to stop Kelsey, it's not a reach, in my opinion. I mean, there's guys all the time that are in the second round that are great players that should have been first-round picks. So, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but if you get when you're at 24, again, we'll go back to what Dave Campos said, 24 to like, he didn't say 30, he said like 24 to 40. They're very similar, very similar. It all depends on how you have them rated. And, and what your gut is on them. And Trent Bulky said he's not afraid to trade up or back down to get more capital. It's XL Primetime on a Thursday. When we come back, we'll kind of put a bow on today's show. We'll recap the fact that the Jaguars using the franchise tag on Evan Ingram, Jalen Carter back in Indianapolis, what all this means for you as you get set for a beautiful weekend here in Northeast Florida. This is 1010XL 92.5 FM. This is XL Primetime, brought to you by Florida Home AC. Now that's cool on 1010XL. Back on XL Primetime, rolling through the final hour here. Leading up to the Frangie Show, one more day for them at the Combine in Indianapolis. And we've been talking Combine now here for a couple segments. Let's get back to the Combine because edge and corner. Edge and corner. Edge and corner. We're going to hear that for, I don't know, the next two months. Build through the defense. You heard Dave Campos say it right here on XL Primetime Tuesday, that as much as, you know, it would be flashy to get a top name, wide receiver, tight end, or I don't know, Osiris Torrens, who reportedly met with the Jaguars yesterday, maybe they just need to keep focusing on fortifying a defense that allowed, who was that? Oh, that's right, Chad Henney to go 99 yards down the field. Granted, as a member of the Kansas City Chiefs, but still. They got to get the quarterback. There's no doubt about it. There's, I mean, but there's, it's just such. Honestly, I, I honestly think that defensive end and edge guys are as much of a hit and miss as quarterbacks are right now. You, you, I mean, you were talking about, you know, what about uh, Ojolari? Yep. Yeah. Let's run through and, a list of and a couple I, of and guys. I was, yeah. I mean, he's literally chase on. They're the same person. 
right, the, right down to the fact that he also attended Louisiana State University. Right, right. Um, so these are some guys that maybe the Jaguars could target with their second-round pick. Matt and I were running through a couple of them, given his, obviously, knowledge of co- college football, and you can check out his stuff at Saturdays Down South. Um, B.J. Ojulari, LSU, Isaiah Foskey, Notre Dame, and then Felix, yes, I can't pronounce Brze, but I can pronounce this one, folks, Anandunke Uzama out of Kansas State, who, by the way, the measurements are in, Uzama measuring at 6'3", 255, 80 and an eighth inch wingspan. He's so, also the guy of those three that had the way better college career. And that's why he's considered to potentially be an end of day one pick unless he falls into day two. The Jaguars said yesterday they are not afraid to move up if they need to, both in the first and the second round. And so I'm curious between those guys, and we can even throw Will McDonald of Iowa State, Byron Young of Tennessee in there as well, Keon White, Georgia Tech. At this point in time, I don't think Lucas Van Ness is going to make it to the Jaguars at 24, even though I know a couple mock drafts have him falling to the Jaguars. Of those, that middle-tier guys, not Will Anderson. I mean, Jalen Carter may fall at this point, but not Jalen Carter. Zach Harrison might be there, and he's had a huge combine as well. Yes, Zach, he could be there. Zach Harrison of Ohio State measuring him with a 36 and a fourth arm, which drew an emoji of, oh my goodness, from Daniel Jeremiah of the NFL Network. He's 6'5", 274, and as you noted, Matt, he's another four-year guy. None of that played really well against Georgia, which is what a lot of scouts are talking about. Played really, really well in that game. If you play well against Georgia, you can play well in the NFL. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean honestly, of all the people you mentioned, Uzama probably has had the best college career. I, I don't think more than, than Brzee, but but as far as edge guys, Clearly, of all those guys you mentioned there. Now, I don't, I don't, again, we, is, is it your tape, is your resume, or is it your ceiling? And I think it's a lot of both. But when you get to, you know, when you get down to that time where you're on the clock, I don't know how many guys go with their ceiling instead of going with, all right, I know what this guy is. Let's go with what this guy is. Now, this franchise obviously went with ceiling last year with the number one overall. But typically with franchises, they go with, all right, let's look at what this guy does on tape. So B.J. Ojulari is Caleb on Chase onto you. Who is Zach Harrison then out of Ohio State? I mean, he's kind of like Trayvon. He, he's, he's had a better college career than, than Trayvon Walker, but they're very similar players. They're both big dudes. He's like 6'6", 270. Um, but Trayvon, I think, is more of, a, it's more of an athlete. He doesn't run like Trayvon. But they're very similar type players. Like I, I don't know that I would take him because you already have him, basically, with Trayvon. So you would take Anandake Uzama. Is who you if he was to fall to the second round, would you yeah, trade? I mean, up he's to kind of him? like Traylon too, but I mean, at some point you've got to get you got to get guys off the edge that can get the quarterback. Well, here's one for you, and I've seen a couple of people on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures and my personal cell phone line, which I'm going to have to get a name for. Shout out to our nooner JT Pruitt listening up in the ATL. Andre Carter, Army. It's been a hot topic of conversation, obviously with potential laws that could prohibit him from playing in the National Football League next year because of his commitment to serve our nation, but also as far as his measurements and his stats because Army's not playing an SEC schedule. No, they're not. They're not. It's, it's unfortunate because he's, man, if you, if you see this kid, I mean, you want to talk about a freak. He's 6'7", 260, um, just a really long dude, a really athletic guy, um, just dominated when they played because it was in one of two things, actually. He either dominated when they went at him or they just went away from him. More times than not, they went away from him and he was chasing, which you love to see because he loves to chase. Um, not chase on, no, actually chase, chase. Chase plays, chase. He loves to chase plays. Um, so to me, that the issue there is, okay, 
the tape. What you see is you see what you have, but what are your eyes telling you? You know, you have to then think, all right, well, he clearly is athletic. He clearly likes to chase. He clearly has. He clearly can run. He's a big guy. He's got a gr- great length to him. What happens then when he starts playing at the next level? That's that's the question. Three three seven three says we need to find this year's Yannick Ngakwe. Any thoughts on who that may be? Yeah, Andre Carter. Very similar, actually. He's a he. When you see him on the field, he's not. He's a lot like Ngakwe as far as his body type is. He's not like this huge muscular guy, but he's really cut, you know. And he's really fast, and he's really long, and he can bend a lot like Ngakwe in his early years here. So. Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to last. Well, Ngaki was a third-round pick, right? Yes. Yeah, he's not going to last in the third round, but he's that type of guy. 8043 says, everything I've read on Andre Carter out of Army is he isn't strong enough and will need a couple of years to get up to NFL speed. People said that about Yannick Ngakwe, and uh, how many forced fumbles, how many sacks did he have in his first two years here in Jacksonville? Yeah, Maybe I, it took him a couple games to get the NFL speed under his belt, but he shot to the moon pretty quickly. I think it's and also quickly at, fell down, at, that, at that position – if you know how to use leverage, if you know how to use your length, you can get to the quarterback. And I know he's not the biggest guy, but at that point, it's about speed and leverage. And Leon talks about that all the time. If he knows where you're going and you have no leverage and you have no bend, he'll just eat you up and swallow you up. Mm-hmm. But he's got the bend, he's got leverage, and he's got length. So I, 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 think, I think he's a guy that, while it might take a little bit, and I don't mean like a couple of years. I mean like maybe six Which you've games, invested so much capital yeah. along your defensive front. It's okay if he takes a little bit. In theory. In theory. You still have Caleb on chase on for one more I wouldn't year. take him the first round. I can tell you that. I would not do that. Yeah. And, and I would but not, we're talking, mo- I would we're not talking move up in the second to take yeah, him Yeah, we're talking about in the second. Yeah. You would not move up to take him no, in the second. No, I would not move up. No. How about one more real quick because we got some Notre Dame fans on the text line. How about Isaiah Foskey? All-time I, sack leader. I like him. He's a good player. He's a good player. Um, I don't. I, to me – to me, I don't see that like elite burst off the edge. I don't see that. And there are other guys that will go to the combine and they'll, you know, again, these are guys that don't play net, like Zach Pickens in South Carolina. Yeah. Never lived up to his potential. But he'll go to the combine and they'll drool over him because he's a, literally a specimen. And all you think of is, all right, let's get this guy in our place. This guy, we'll get him off the edge. We'll get him to start being disruptive. We're going to check in with the Frangie Show live in Indianapolis where several of those names and a whole lot more are set to take the field for the first day of on-field workouts at the 2023 NFL Scouting Combine. It's XL Primetime. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping the sports world spinning with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. Final Frangie show from Indianapolis in the NFL Scouting Combine. Lauren Brooks standing by and about 10 minutes or so away from the first on-field workouts of the 2023 Combine. Lauren, how's it going? Hey, Mia. We are fantastic things. It has been another very busy day here, uh, and I am also glad that I don't have to work out uh, down uh, there. <laughs> I guess I should say over there because it's a, just a few probably football fields away from where we are right now. So are you guys in the convention center right now? Or are you guys actually overlooking at Lucas Oil Stadium where they'll be on field? We are in the convention center. That's where Radio Row is. All right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Kind of walk me through the day that was and what's still to come for you guys. 
Sure. Well, one of the coolest things I think that's been done here at the Combine, you had Mark Vandermeer, the play-by-play voice of the Texans, Matt Taylor, the play-by-play voice of the Colts, Mike Keith, the play-by-play voice of the Titans, and of course, Frank Frangi, the play-by-play voice of the Jaguars, had a roundtable for about an hour. They said they'd talk for about 25 minutes. Well, of course, they're play-by-play guys. They went a little long. So a full hour uh, that they got to just discuss, obviously, everything under the sun. And so I will let the listeners hear a little bit of that, but super excited for everyone to hear the different uh, takes from those guys. And then Joe Cole. Colin, the Chiefs defensive line coach, stopped by, of course, a Super Bowl winning coach. Yeah, absolutely. And and you, I'm sure, know him, uh, former Jaguars defensive coordinator. Matthew Barry, a fantasy guru for NBC Sports. Hayes caught up with him. Uh, So he's got chock full of good stuff. And I think uh, certainly a few Jaguars will be on uh, people's fantasy wires this year. John Ozier from Jaguars.com and Pete Prisco, senior writer from CBS Sports. So we are chock full. Love it, love it. And we have that roundtable, the audio of it, up on our 1010XL YouTube, Facebook, and podcast pages. So if folks want to go check out that roundtable discussion, they can. We are working on the video version as we speak. Like Lauren said, it is about an hour, so it's great for a podcast. If you need to throw something on in your car, if you want to watch something on your TV on YouTube, we have that up right now, and we'll have the video version coming soon too. And then we'll be sure to post some clips as well on the other social channels. Lauren, have a great show. And, of course, uh, what time is that flight tomorrow morning? Oh, it's around 6, 10 a.m. You know, bright and early, but uh, or maybe really dark and early, but that'll be just You're fine. You're young. Uh, you can deal that, with it. Come on. Yeah, you got that right, Matt. Uh, I am young. Uh, but no, it, it's been uh, it's been a whirlwind of a trip, and we certainly appreciate you guys back at 1010XL headquarters for helping us uh, make everything happen, both on social and recording and everything like that. Absolutely. We appreciate all the hard work, boots on the ground, and we look forward to welcoming you guys back to Duval tomorrow. All right. Sounds good. See you tomorrow. Thanks, Lauren. Have a great show. Frangie show coming up next from three to six again, live from the NFL scouting combine Lucas oil field. And in about seven minutes, the first round of defensive linemen and edge rushers will be hitting the field for on field workouts. And you can watch that on the NFL network. Matt Hayes, are you going to be headed home to turn the AC down and watch NFL? No combine. I will not watch the combine. In fact, tomorrow, when we're at the Holly Davidson, yes, it's at. Is it at? A, where is it? What are it? Is at the Adamac. Adamac, Hol- right? Yes, Adamac, Adamac Holly Davidson. Our, 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 uh, I think our Twitter poll, JJ, should be: Are you going to actually watch the combine on Saturday? Saturday, when Anthony Richardson is throwing. Right. So let's run through the schedule. So it's D linemen today and linebackers. DBs are tomorrow. And if a lot of you believe that the Jaguars could go safety or corner at number twenty-four, maybe that's the day you watch at three o'clock tomorrow. Quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends are on Saturday, and then running backs and offensive linemen are on Sunday. Both of those days, coverage starts at 1 o'clock on the NFL Network. Any of them circled for you? No, none. You're not going to carve nope. out some time? It nope. may rain on Saturday. Maybe, I mean, maybe a little, maybe. Just got a lot of other stuff to do. That does it for this edition of XL Primetime. Be sure to come on back same time tomorrow. Not the same place. We will be down in the Aug Dog at the Adamac Harley-Davidson off I-95 and Route 16 across from the St. Augustine Outlets. That's exit 318. So come on by, stop by, say hi, and be sure to get your nooner on because it's going to be a beautiful weekend, and we are less than one week out from the Players' Championship. Mia O'Brien, Matt Hayes, Joe C. off on PGA Tour duty tomorrow as well. Leon Searcy, JJ LaSelva. We'll catch you tomorrow.